Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BetUS.com or call 800-729-3887. That's 800-729-BETUS. BetUS for 125% bonuses with promo code JONES22. Customer service pros are ready to get your phone and social and online sports betting kickoff started now. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. You can also use the promo code JONES22 with crypto for a 200% bonus. That's BetUS.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tom Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Ron the Show Hewley of Sports Radio 610 in Houston, Texas. Also with Arrowhead Pride covering the Kansas City Chiefs. We will touch on the AFC and NFC conference title games with the show when he joins us. And a complete breakdown coming up on that in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group and our Tom Fullery Story of the Week coming up at the end of the show as well. Appreciate you all joining us and spending part of your week here on the Jones Report. we got so much to cover today, and Thomas and I are back from our, uh, our travels on the road over the last few days as a Tom took his uh, talents to uh, Tampa Bay and uh, a little spontaneous trip after hitting the jackpot at the casino leads him to uh, Tampa Bay to see his Rams steal a victory. And I was in Lawrence on Monday night watching uh, my Jayhawks go to double overtime with Texas Tech and one of the best college basketball games I've ever seen come right down to the wire. So between that and then on top of that, just getting to watch the Chiefs win last weekend in one of the best NFL games ever, maybe the best NFL games ever. Tom, I would say you and I are kind of on cloud nine right now, but in the same sense too, it's okay, let the emotions roll off a little bit, back to business this weekend with uh, some great NFL matchups here in the AFC and NFC title games. Right, and you know, you got the Rams that already struggled with the 49ers, and then you got the Chiefs who already lost to the Bengals this year. So, I mean, me and you are both going to be sweating it out just a wee bit come this weekend. And then, you know, if both our teams win, then, you know, there probably won't be a – the Super Bowl show before should be very uh, interesting. Oh, yeah. And on top of that, when you look at, like, this Kansas team right now, you think about these last few days. Saturday, they come back from – down 13 to beat K-State on the road. And then you have that Chiefs win. And, of course, we know about the 13 seconds and all that led up to that and going to overtime. And then the double overtime game against Texas Tech. I mean, just years were taken off my life this past weekend. And now you get the AFC and NFC title games this upcoming week. Kansas plays Kentucky on Saturday. There's just no time to stop and breathe, Tom. I mean, it's it's incredible. And how about the folks that got to be in Kansas City on Sunday and then Lawrence on Monday night? 
Man, that's uh, that's sports heaven we're talking about right here. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about, uh, you know, cardiac problems after the fact. Uh, you know, just pulling out, you know, wins by the, the skin of their teeth. Uh, that's... Uh, to play that's that's a playbook right out of Stillwater. Um, you know, I I've been there for that just ridiculous one after another, you can't take it anymore type situation. I you know what, to be fair, I I wouldn't necessarily have counted KU out, but I would uh I, I did count out Kansas City with 13 seconds left. I was I thought it was done. Uh because Gabe Davis for the Bills had an incredible game. That was unbelievable, and it seems like everybody's forgot about it already, too. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously didn't get the win, so, you know, what does the stat line matter if you don't win? But, uh, I mean, four touchdowns. Uh, I mean, the Bills did everything they could. I mean, that was – it was just – you know, I, I was coming off the high of the Rams beating Tom Brady and potentially retiring Tom Brady. Uh, I don't know if you saw where he was talking about trying to do what's best for his family. Uh, and it sounds like Gronk may be done too. So I might have just gotten to watch one of the best tight ends all time and the best NFL quarterback slash player ever. The last game of the Rams got to retire both of them. Um, so I was coming off the high of that. We got back to the hotel and then watched the remaining portion of Kansas City somehow squeak it out. Uh, I mean, Craziness. Tell me this: What was uh, what was Tampa like? How was the experience down there, and enjoying the uh, the strip club capital of the world? Jones, you know Tampa uh, was pretty chilly. Um, you know, on account of all things, considering I figured it was going to be a lot warmer. But well, but chilly in Tampa is what like sixty? Yeah, I mean it was sixty. There was you know the the humidity was like ninety two percent. Oh, you poor thing coming off. I mean, I mean, you know what I mean? Like the humidity coming off, it was still pretty chilly, actually, because it was a fair bit windy. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, when I left Oklahoma on that Saturday morning, it was like wind chill was 16, so it wasn't that bad. I even, everybody was, it was funny, everybody was bundled up with like beanies and big heavy coats and jeans and boots on. And, you know, I just wear just pant, like pants, kind of like joggers and, uh, a jersey with nothing under it and a hat. Um, and yeah, I was, everybody else was like, you're crazy. This is freezing. And I was like, no. Uh, if you were in Oklahoma last week, you would know what cold was. So, you know, it wasn't that bad. I did expect a little bit warmer. And the Tampa people said, this is some of the coldest weather for this time they've seen. And so I was like, well, dang it. But, uh, you know, strip clubs on pretty much every corner. Um, there was a cool bar district called Soho that we went to. Uh, just, I don't know. It was pretty much like a college part of town um, for, you know, USF is right there. And so is uh, University of Tampa. So I think it's a small school. Um, but then you had, uh, you know, meeting Eric Dickerson outside of the stadium, which was pretty crazy. Uh, he was just walking around fairly just casual. Sure, he was ended up sitting in a box, but, you know, he was very receptive to everybody that came up to him and was very chill. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily move to Tampa Bay. 
or, you know, people will scold you for calling it Tampa Bay. It's Tampa. But, um, you know what? It was a fun little town to party in for a weekend. And to see the Rams potentially retire Tom Brady, uh, that was just the cherry on top. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't know this was a thing. I've never talked to TJ about this. You're not supposed to call it Tampa Bay, just Tampa? I think it's kind of – well, maybe it's not. Maybe I'm wrong in that. But it feels like, uh, you know, oh, hey, I'm in Tampa Bay. I think it's more like, you know, people will call, and I'm guilty of this, instead of calling, I call boy, I, I say Boise, and it's Boise, you know, and they, they tell you're an outsider if you say Boise, they're like, there's no Z in it. I'm like, well, there's no C in it either. I'm like, I want to say, you know, like, I want to say, shut your northern ass up. It's Boise, um, you know, until you can beat OS, Oklahoma State. It's Boise. Um, That's no funny to me because, like, they say Boise, but there's no C in it either. Or, uh, I guess it's the SE portion portion of it. You know, it's like, you know, hi, we're from Boise. I was like, no, Boise. And, I mean, if you're in Oklahoma, it's Boise. You know, it's it's kind of like people here in Oklahoma, they're not from Oklahoma, they go out east and they say, oh, you guys have a Miami, Oklahoma. No, no, we have my MO, yes. right? <laughs> right? So, I'm sure you might have to talk to TJ about that. I'm sure people from out of town, maybe, maybe it's because I equate that area with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, I guess you don't really go to Boston or Foxborough and say, Hey, guys, I'm in New England, right? You know, like, well, or you like know, along the same lines, like, I guess I'm in Carolina. When I'm in Chicago, you know, yes, I know it's technically called the Willis Tower, but you still refer to it as Sears, Sears Tower. It's always going to be Sears Tower. Um, in Kansas City now, they recently renamed the Sprint Center, the T-Mobile Center. I don't care about T-Mobile. I don't pay for T-Mobile service or anything to do with that. I'm not employed by T-Mobile. That thing's still the Sprint Center as far as I'm concerned. Right, and you know you got the Crypto.com Center in LA. No one's going to call it that. It's always going to be the Staples Center. Right. Right. I mean, that's just how it is. Maybe it's different, too. You know, like I I know I'm in Tampa, but it's like, okay, well, you know what? It's Tampa Bay because I'm here for the game. The funniest uh, for me along those same lines is uh, UMKC there in uh, Kansas City, uh, University of Missouri, Kansas City. They, uh, they tried to rebrand themselves as just Kansas City and Kansas City University. And, you know, like their sports teams were wearing uniforms and everything that just said Kansas City. And I'm like, I was told this is what they were doing and that's what they wanted to be referred to as. And then I go to their campus. I was driving by and all the signage still said UMKC. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not calling you uh kansas city until you get your stuff together that's not my job you got your own job to do yeah i mean until you know the official rebrand is complete then you know you go by what's on the building i guess maybe but it's umkc so it's you know who cares like for the state like for the state center no one's saying oh yeah i guess we'll go down to crypto.com center the crypt lame right i guess you could call it that i mean you know, even like for Staples, the forum was a cool name. Uh, right. You know, I guess the only forum that I can think of right now would be the FedEx forum. Um, 
So, you know, I guess it's personal preference, but you don't have to ask TJ about that. I wonder if they get, you know, if they get all butthurt, people calling them Tampa Bay. Right. Because, I mean, okay, hey, you call them, don't call them the Tampa Rays, it's Tampa Bay Rays. And right. you don't call it, you don't call, the, you know, it's not the Tampa Lightning, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, so I have one more question for you, uh, and then we'll move on. We'll look at these conference championship games. Now that you went in there and the Rams won, then I think that you now own the title of Tampa Bay. You have taken that from Tom Brady now, right? You're now Tampa Bay. Right, and then, you know, it might be his last game there. So, uh, you know, he might not get another win in Tampa. So, I mean, I think, I think it's officially mine. I think it was. I think it was on the line. Yeah, I think that's fair. Now I'm the king of Tampa Bay. I, I, I surely did party. I can tell you that I partied like I was the king of Tampa Bay on on both Saturday and Sunday nights. I'm very proud of you, Tom. Very good. I'm glad to hear that so, you reported they back. Give me, they should give me a key to the city. They should. And you were able to make it back here without cracking your head open. So that's good. Right. Yeah. No, no injuries to speak of. No stitches. Uh, You're growing up on us. It's all good. Right. And I and I didn't I didn't miss any flights and I got to the airport on time. So it was uh, it was a very I mean I didn't sleep on Sunday night, if that tells you anything. So Sunday into Monday morning. That's fine. Sleeps overrated. Right. I did sleep on the plane. I'll tell you what. One shout out, Breeze. Breeze Airlines. Did not think it was going to be a comfortable plane. The It's a nonstop flight from Tampa to Tulsa. And I'll tell you what. I mean, maybe because I was just tired, so I would have slept wherever. Plane wasn't crowded at all. It was a smaller plane. It was only two seats to a row. Um, but everyone got their own row because it was that empty. And the seats were leather. Um, it was nice. I like. It. I was impressed, and I got the flight for under a hundred bucks. So you can't beat that. No, you can't. That's good to hear. Glad you had a good time, and you made it back safe and sound, and uh, had a great time out there. So that's uh, a couple weeks. Couple weeks, I'll be headed to LA for the Super Bowl. Yeah, there we go. Not really. I, I wish. Maybe. Maybe if I win one of the many contests I've entered, Tom takes LA. I love it. That sounds great. Sounds great to me, and uh, glad that uh, you're back and everything is uh, in good hands there. Um, moving on now, the AFC and NFC championship games. Let's start out with the AFC title game that's ahead, the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. And um, you go back a few weeks, and the Bengals went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. They did what they could. They laid it all out in the line. And were able to pull off the upset win there in Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, when you look at that game, the way that the Bengals played, they did everything they wanted to offensively in that fourth quarter. And one of the things that I, I hesitate when I see the line of the Chiefs as a seven point favorite is that the Bengals have already proven that they can go toe to toe with the Chiefs. Um, that to me is where I say, you know, I'm I lean more towards the side on this being close than it being a blowout of some sorts. The Chiefs have played 
close games all season long. And there's something about this Bengals team that they're not going to give up. You know, Joe Burrow, Joe Cool out there. I mean, Bo said it best. He looks like the second coming of Joe Montana with his attitude, with his poise. I've never seen a quarterback like that other than maybe Tom Brady in my lifetime. There is something about Joe Burrow of going out there that he is not going to be the reason why they lose. Um, You know, there's a number of reasons why the Bengals will lose this game. It starts with the offensive line. Um, You know, they – I think one of the things that we look at when we say the Bengals don't deserve Joe Burrow, as we've said from time and time again, well, yeah, because they can't protect Joe Burrow. Um, It's amazing that this guy has not been hurt this year with all that they've put him through, giving up more sacks than anybody in the National Football League. And so for the Chiefs this week, I think that you're talking about uh, a situation of, okay, you know the Bengals can hang with you, that they're going to go, you know, mono, mono of some sorts. And you're looking at, okay, the offense is going to do their part. And the defense is going to give up a decent amount. It's just going to happen. The Bengals are too good offensively for the Chiefs not to give up on uh, a certain number of points. But you try to look for unique opportunities of sorts. I think if you're the Chiefs, your goal this week when you look at this matchup is, okay, those sacks, the pressure on Joe Burrow, can those turn into fumbles? Can those turn into interceptions? Um you know, I don't think three and outs are that likely. And I would expect the Bengals to, to play aggressive and, and do that type of thing. I think your goal is defensively is to see what you can do to create those turnovers, to turn seven points into three points. Um, this game, the, the punters, I don't think, are going to be very active. I, I just don't think you can depend on – your goal being to get stops on this Bengals defense. Your goal is going to be to force turnovers, to keep them out of the end zone, play good red zone defense. That's what I'm looking at as far as the Chiefs go. Their their path to victory in this, you know the offense is going to show up for Kansas City. You know Cincinnati's going to show up offensively. Get the turnovers, keep them out of the end zone, uh, You know, especially in those red zone situations. That, to me, is what it's going to take. What say you, Tom? Yeah, I think it's going to take that. It's going to be a, a turnover, like whoever wins it. You know, maybe that's a cop-out response. A lot of people say, you know, any game, well, whoever wins the turn win the game. Uh, you know, you know, both these teams, uh, you've seen Patrick Mahomes be turnover prone, right? Uh, you know, through the season. Uh didn't look very hot. I mean, he's cleaned it up. Uh, and then for the Bengals, you know, they they let everybody and their mom get back. To, uh, it's you might as well not even have a line. Might as well just spend the money you would have on a line and get it. What it comes down to is is the turnovers. Uh, can the Chiefs limit theirs and? Really, I mean, you mentioned you hit the nail on the head. Can the Chiefs not only Joe Burrow? That's not going to be the problem, I don't think. The Titans got to him quite a quite a few times, uh, and and had their way with him. And the I think it's going to be more so. Can the Chiefs, you know, sack him and get a strip sack? 
or can they force bad throws? I, you know, they're going to be in in the film room watching Jamar Chase tear him up. Um, yeah, I think you're right about um, that. All for the whole game. I mean, you got to. That I don't think the Bengals defense, you know, as I would say, the to uh, run the score up. This this game, I think Jones, it's not Chiefs will get Joe right. It's, it's that can they get a strip sack? Can they force a bad throw? Can they make those interceptions? Uh, I, I think this whole game comes down to, I think the whole game comes down to that the you know the Chiefs can they can force some bad throws and win that turnover or they win. I think the Bengals will put up points, but the the Bengals defense middle of the pack they're not going to be able to stop Chiefs offense. I think as with the Kansas City defense. Right. I think uh I think I would agree to that that uh you know when you look at this game for uh a number of reasons with this Cincinnati team of of why they're they're not gonna be able to stop Kansas City here and and in uh in Cincinnati's case with uh with Joe Burrow and company, um it, it just blows my mind of how much they cannot protect him, how much that they have this offensive line problem. I, I am very intrigued to see what they do in this offseason to retool that offensive line. We saw the Chiefs this past offseason, Tom, completely reinvent their offensive line, and it paid off beautifully from what they were able to do. They got embarrassed in that Super Bowl against Tampa last year, and uh, they weren't going to let that happen again. And here they are now, a much better football team, uh, from it of what they were able to do if i'm the Bengals, looking at how to beat the chiefs here i'm rolling back the tape to you know middle of october when the chiefs were just struggling when this team um was just so out of sync and uh what we were seeing teams do effectively early on was they were able to take away kelsey or they were able to take away tyreek hill and make the Chiefs one-dimensional. And the Chiefs were not able to run the football. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was injured most of the year and such, and, and uh, the Chiefs were just a different football team. And what's changed now for the Chiefs is you've had Jerk McKinnon t- step up and play really good football at that running back spot. And then each game, that number three guy has been a different individual. Some weeks it's Byron Pringles. Some weeks it's McCole Hardman. Some weeks it's uh, Robinson and uh, the Chiefs have done a really good job of having that third option arise. I mean, hell, even Blake Bell's had a few moments from time to time where he's come through for this Chiefs team. So, with that being said, I think you go back to the tape, you you focus on taking away either Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, and I would probably lean towards trying to take away Tyreek Hill and just hope that you don't get burned uh, on the other end of uh, of giving up uh, big plays to someone else of some sorts here. I think that's your only hope if you're the Bengals. It's a tough pill to swallow. You kind of pick your poison. All right, take away Hill or Kelsey, and then just kind of see what happens. That's that's what they'll have to do. And, you know, they scored enough points, and obviously if 13 seconds is enough. Even on uh, – like I said, I, I think it's – in the chief limit – doesn't have just a career day Chiefs again, which I think he could with flexibility by any means. Uh, 
you know, they have the tape to do it. Uh, I think the Chiefs will, you know, go ahead and come out of this victorious. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, uh, you know, it's funny to me, too, that this uh, with the home field advantage thing, you know, with the Chiefs, they always find a way to figure it out. Right. You know, and now they've had this be their fourth straight AFC title game they've played in all four of them at Arrowhead. And they weren't the one seed uh, in all of those, two out of the four. And it worked out for them to get the these conference championship games at Arrowhead. And Joe Burrow, you know, everybody goes back to the tape of him in October saying that none of these NFL stadiums he's played in were as loud as these SEC environments that he were a part, he was a part of in the SEC. And, and you know, Joe's probably right about that. Uh, but this is his first trip to Arrowhead. This is a different animal. This is the loudest stadium in the world. And I think that that's going to be a challenge uh, for Chiefs fans, something that they will take, you know, hold their hats to is uh, trying to make it a tough environment for Joe Burrow and company to deal with that. Uh, you know, this you, you, you've just given the Chiefs uh, and the Chiefs kingdom a little extra uh, motivation of some sort, a little extra rowdy. They were already going to be excited for a conference championship game, but I think they're going to see even a little extra. And um Joe Burrow, we mentioned how much of a cool cat he is and such. I don't think that's going to bother him, but I would say that it's probably going to affect his other teammates, this Bengals team that has not been on this stage like this before compared to a very experienced Chiefs team here. Right. I mean, the Bengals, they're – I don't want to say – I mean, the Bengals are a good team. I like Burrow and I like Chase and I like what they have going. But it feels like they're a little bit out of their league, just a little bit. You know, you get – Years and a couple questionable. You know, I still think the Bengals would have won that game, regardless. But and then go into Tennessee and you beat a Tennessee team that I like they match up well with, anyways. Uh, you must be feeling pretty confident coming, you know, to Arrowhead, considering you've already beaten uh, the Chiefs once this season. While it was a super close game, you you know you still got the win. Um, very very interesting to see uh, what you know are the Kentucky Bengals going to come out and play like we've seen them be able to play, or is uh, you know is the moment going to be too big for them? Uh, be very interesting to see. There's going to be a lot of growing up um, for the Bengals still to do, but this game. Either win or lose for the Bengals is going to go a long way. Right. I think uh, you're absolutely right about that. And one more note, too, before we move on, look at an NFC title game. One guy that's going to have to play well for Cincinnati. We mentioned for the Chiefs, you know, they need that third option of some sorts, whether it's Pringle or Clyde Edwards-Elair, whoever it may be. The third option needs to be there because they're going to try to take away, you know, either Hill or Kelsey. For Cincinnati – a guy I look to, kind of off the radar, that needs to have a big day for them to have a chance is Eli Apple, the starting quarterback for uh, Cincinnati. Remember, you know, he, he had a good rookie year for the Giants and then, you know, was subpar after that, didn't play great with the New Orleans Saints and, you know, has not played that great for Cincinnati, but he was able to get an interception last week, and and uh, he's had his moments from time to time here. 
I think the Chiefs are going to try to throw at Eli Apple, whoever he's covering on the field, kind of in the same degree that I think the Bengals are going to try to attack Daniel Sorensen. I think that you could probably apply the same conversation to both these guys, uh, that both of them are going to need to step up. They're going to need to do their part, do a little extra, a little more than uh, than what we typically talk about with these guys. I think Eli Apple and Dan Sorensen both cannot be liabilities for their teams as they are from time to time. I, I will say I would rather have Eli Apple than Dan Sorensen, but I would take you neither. Know, you're, right, you're not putting Dan Sorensen on Jamar Chase. So, uh, you know, there's a little more firepower uh, against. You know, there's some more. I don't know. There, I wouldn't have Dan Sorensen on my team. There's got to be a better free agent option but some for some reason they're in love with with Sorensen. uh i i think yeah i think you're absolutely right you're gonna try to make one of those players be that liability that costs the team the game It'd be stupid not to i mean you you have to you know if you can exploit a match uh and and you know give someone a big day uh over that weakness that that other team has, then by all means, you you keep going at them until they stop it. I mean, if there is one thing Chiefs fans should lose sleep over this week, it's the fact that Tyron Matthew is coming back from a concussion. Um, sounds like he's going to play, I believe. Um, but whether he's all there or not, you, you better believe Dan Sorensen will be on the field. And – you know, in these in these games, these big games we've seen over the years, there's times where Dan Sorensen comes up with a couple of big plays. It does happen. I'll give him credit for that. But most of the time, he's given up a lot of bad plays. It's about every good play for every five bad plays. And um, you can just expect that's going to happen here, that Dan Sorensen is going to do something wrong here that – it's not a matter of if, but but when it's going to happen with uh, with Dirty Dan, Tom. Yeah, and you know, still an NFL player, he's you know he can obviously if he's on the Chiefs, he's doing something right. But at the end of the day, like I mean, you know, you you uh, who was it? Who was the penalty on against the you however many years ago? Oh, um, who, on. Uh, <laughs> On on Ford, yes, D Ford. D Ford. Like you know, this this is one of those games that uh, you know Sorensen could come and end up making that it wasn't even you know it wasn't even the D Ford missed an assignment. It was just a simple penalty. It was offside. Right? That's yeah, that's, uh, right. You know, and and I don't know how often Chief fans still talk about that. Maybe still, uh, you know, winning. Well, cure is a cure-all. So, uh, you know, like the Saints still bitch about the non-call and the Stephon Diggs play just because they haven't had their time in the sun in quite some time. So maybe that is uh, – maybe it's a cure-all, but you don't want to have another of those times, um, you know, another, another – you know, you don't want it to become a moment. Right. Right, That's all I'm saying, like, but Dan Dan Sorensen could very much moment this uh, this game. Oh yeah, if if the Bengals uh, win this game, 
it's going to be a touchdown pass over Dan Sorensen that seals the deal. That's you better, you better knock on. You better knock on wood. <laughs> I'm saying that no, right now. Man. If the Bengals win, it's going to be because they beat Dan Sorensen. I can, sadly, I can see it in my head right now. I hope it doesn't happen, but that's what it would take. Uh, it would it would take a Dan Sorensen uh, goof of some sorts for that to happen. We'll see. Uh, the listen, listen, the world the world needs a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl. Yes, yes, we do. Um, so please, Dan, don't get in the way of this happening. Um, and you know, Tom likes to give me a hard time for a couple years ago picking the Bears to go to the Super Bowl and they missed the playoffs. Well, I had the Bucks and the Chiefs last year, and I was right. And this year, my preseason pick was the Rams and the Chiefs. So um, we can forget about my my Bears pick uh, from a couple years ago. We can we can still talk about Tom predicting the Bucks to miss the playoffs last year, and going nine and seven. So that's fine. We can still have that conversation. Uh, right, right. NFC Trubisky Bears, for all my goodness, the Trubisky Bears. I know that was bad. That was bad on my bad job by me. NFC title game, Rams and 49ers. The Niners have won six straight against the Rams. They have had their number for the last two, three years now. And they played as recently as week 18. And both teams played their starters. Both teams had something to play for. Uh, Wasn't a situation of rest or anything like that. The Rams uh, gave that game away. They were up by 17 points. Stafford struggled. Uh, had you know a couple interceptions in that game. Went to overtime. Ultimately, the Niners pulled it out. And the Niners have had, I hate to call it like a, a team of destiny feel of sorts to them, but they're doing things they weren't supposed to. They weren't supposed to beat the Rams in Week 18. They were not, you know, the favorites going in against Dallas, although, you know, a lot of people saw that coming of Dallas blowing a home playoff game. But then they definitely weren't supposed to be Green Bay in the snow against Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau at a night game. That just wasn't supposed to happen. And it was an ugly game, but they found a way to do so. So now you look at this game going forward on Sunday. And for me, it just comes down to what Rams team is going to show up. If the Niners can get the Rams down and dirty, if they can get them ugly, you know, those those Cam Akers mistakes, uh, the fumbles, or, you know, a Matt Stafford pick or two, you know, th- those if they can get them out of their comfort zone, then the Niners have a really good shot to win this game. Um, but if the Rams play like they've been capable of, like what they were against the Bucs, what they were against the Cardinals, the Rams should take care of business. Um, but that's what, it, to me, what it comes down to is it, it's almost decided before the teams even step on the field. What is the mindset? Where are the Rams at mentally? Are they mentally prepared? Are they polished up? Are they going to play sharp football? Or are they going to come in sloppy and messy? If they're going to come in sloppy and messy, the Niners will win this game, Tom. Yeah, and, and, you know, I don't know if they do or not. That week 18, I, I think maybe that they knew that they were in the But you get up 17 points and you start to coast. You're already thinking about, you know, the next week, um, you know, and then just being in the playoffs. Um, 
you know, Matt Stafford, I'm sure, thought so. And and the Niners were essentially battling for their playoff lives. Don't win that game, the Saints win. You know, so it's do or die. I'm not saying that's the reason there's no business losing that. And Nathan, you six straight times coming house for the NFC championship. And then that Super Bowl, you have a Super Bowl in stadium on the line. So you're going to let a division foe come in your house after beating you six straight in the NFC championship, beat you at home in the NFC championship, and get to play in your spot at your home stadium for a chance to win the Super Bowl. No. Uh, I would I would sure hope not. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Uh, but I hope that's not the case. I, I think 49ers are playing with house money. But they're you no know, they're I could I could see the 49ers throwing all they have. Uh, and I think they will. I I think they will. This is going to be I because I'm a Rams fan, just because of the history between these two teams the last couple of years and implications, I, I really do think this is going to be one of the all-time nasty games. I, I expect to see fighting, not like crazy fighting, but I mean, look at the Rams-Cardinals game. I mean, Aaron Donald tried to choke a man. Uh, there were some other plays that that had happened that were questionable in terms of um, you know unsportsmanlike conduct. So I. I expect this game to be very physical. I mean, it's it's going to be a bloodbath. I want to clarify something, too, on uh, Garoppolo for a second for the folks at home. Um, you may have been watching some of the talking heads the last few days and you know look at Jimmy Garoppolo and give him a lot of credit for these games that he's won. And l- let me say this. Does Garoppolo have a good playoff record? Yes, he does. He very well does. But looking at your win-loss record as a quarterback is not a quarterback stat. It doesn't tell the whole story. The Niners are winning these playoff games and have done so over the last few years, not because of Jimmy G, but in spite of having Jimmy G there. And to me, I still look at this game, despite the record that's there, Jimmy G is a liability for the 49ers. And I think that the easiest path to victory for the Rams is to load the box, stop the run, and force Jimmy G to beat the Rams. And if they do that, I do not think Jimmy G can beat the Rams on his own. They are going to have to run the football. I would do everything it takes. They have the defensive line to do it. They have you know, Von Miller and all these good defensive players here, it starts with stopping the run. If they stop the run, if San Francisco cannot run the football, they do not have a chance. Jimmy B cannot beat the Rams on his own. Yeah, Jones, this this 49ers team, though, they can run the ball very well. The Rams are not the best against the run. This, their defense built to stop the pass, and and that's why I think they were able to do so well against the Bucs for, for as long as Tom Brady could stand you know, stand it before he went super Saiyan mode and tried to make a comeback. Um, 
you know, so if, if the Rams do stop the run, there's not any planet, there's not any solar system, there's not anywhere in any universe ever that Jimmy G beats this Rams defense by himself. Um, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it, because I know that's probably what they're talking about. We stopped the run. You mentioned stacking the box. Do that. You stop the run, shut them down, and, and you know, we have a home Super Bowl. Like, yeah. What else more could you want to play for, right? Mm-hmm. What else more could you want to play for than a home, not only the Super Bowl, but a Super Bowl in your own stadium? Right, right. You're absolutely uh, right about that. So there you have it. That's our breakdown of the uh, AFC and NFC Conference Championship Games. We'll have more on the Conference Championship Games with the show. Ron Hewley, when he joins us, coming up in just a few moments. Also got Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisor Group coming up later on. Plus, we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well, as well as our Big 12 basketball breakdown. All that and more as we continue. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week is Ron, the show Hewley from 610 Sports in Houston. He's a Kansas City native, also covers the Chiefs for Arrowhead Pride, and he joins us right now. Ron, it is good to hear from you, my friend. It's It's been a minute. We did Sunday Sound Off a couple times together back in Kansas City, and uh, good to be reunited, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm happy to be on the stage with you, man. Happy <laughs> to be on the podcast for the first time, and um Right now, I don't care what anybody says. I said this to you before we got on. This you might have the best pipes in the business. I mean, <laughs> move over, move over anybody who thinks. I mean, this dude Tyler Jones has. I can listen to Tyler Jones talk forever. <laughs> I mean, about anything: strawberries, caramel, uh, chicken. I could just listen to, to Tyler just break down anything. The greatest, the greatest pipes in the business. <laughs> You're too kind, my friend. I, I'll listen to you anytime, uh, Joe. We uh, we got plenty to discuss, uh, but before we dive into too much shop, man, tell us about what's going on with uh, you in Houston and still uh, covering the Chiefs as well with Arrowhead Pride. Uh, you're you're pretty busy these days. Yeah, I try to stay busy, man. Do some uh, some some radio. Do afternoon drives here. Clint Sterner in the show uh, from two to six out here in Houston and. Uh, uh, trust. Um, I've been there um, working on two years, and even though this is uh, one of the worst franchises and one of the worst uh, times in terms of their sports teams winning uh, when you, with the Rockets and, and the Texans, thank God for the Astros here in this city, or it'd be really bad. But there has not been a shortage of anything to talk about. We've had the, uh, the Texans and their, and to speak as nice as possible, their unorthodox way of handling <laughs> coaches. Uh, they're about to hire potentially the front runner right now is a guy who's never coached ever uh, in his life. High school, he's volunteered high school, never coached college or the NFL in Josh McCown. He's the front runner for the job. And, uh, and the Deshaun Watson situation has been a saga since I've been here. James Harden, craziness all around. Um, and then I, I love doing what I do to talk about the Chiefs on Arrowhead Pride. And uh, it's been a wild ride, including 13 seconds, which I'm sure we will get to at some point, uh, do some TV work. So, man, just uh, just, just doing what I can, you know, and and uh, and getting out there and, um, and uh, talking about sports, which is uh, something I love to do. 
Man, uh, always have appreciation for people like yourself, Ron, who just grind, you know, in this biz. And, and uh, I mean, you're at it all the time and doing great work. So uh, certainly happy for you. Things are going so well. I got to ask you right off the top, um, you mentioned 13 seconds. Uh, what was your re initial reaction watching that AFC championship game in real time and and seeing what all went down on, uh, on Sunday night there, man? Um, it, it was – it was awesome in so many uh, respects. It was um, the first thing that that comes to mind. I don't think I've, I've, I've I did some post game. I don't think I've talked to anybody about this, but it was like one of those dream scenarios that I had always envisioned um, when I had kids. My son, um, uh, I, I listen. My wife said I forced it on him. He is an insane sports nut. Um, my son doesn't watch cartoons in the morning. He watches Sports Center, uh, and he, he is a, a, a sports nut. Good kid. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, seven year, or just turned eight years old, and we let him stay up uh, as that game was coming down. And he is a huge Patrick Mahomes Chiefs fan, and I got to experience that moment with uh, with him. My daughter, who didn't really know what was going on, she's a little younger than my wife, but me and my and my son to get to sit there and watch one of those moments and um, and to let him know, hey, you are your life as a uh, Kansas City fan is quite different than most other people who have grown up. He sat here and got to see Patrick Mahomes and have seen a Super Bowl and have seen uh, amazing comebacks since he's been alive. And this was the craziest thing. So the first thing was being able to, to witness that with my family and my son, especially to have that moment. We'll always remember that moment, that 13 seconds uh, when afterwards he's running around the house, losing his mind. And then it, it did, Tyler, I, listen, it's the most amazing thing I've seen. Like I, I, when you say it out loud, Tyler, they got the ball at the 25-yard line. And they got to the 30. They got 44 yards with three seconds to spare. In 10 seconds, they did it because they kicked it with three seconds left. They got down there in 10 seconds in two plays. It is absolutely ridiculous. And Tyler, you've watched Patrick Mahomes. He's had to, we've seen him make crazy throws before, right? Like we've seen him, like the throw he made, one of his best of all time, where he's where he's at the bag at short and he goes sidearm and, and he throws it underneath. That was crazy. Yeah. He didn't have to do that. In the 13 seconds, he made two of the easiest throws he's had to make all night long. Any NFL quarterback should be able to make those throws. Now there was pressure involved, which changes it. But they weren't tight windows, hard throws. They were easy throws that Buffalo just allowed him to make. And he got down there, and and it was just – it was an amazing thing. I, I've seen a few things. I'm a Kansas fan, so Mario Chalmers in the, in, the, in the championship game and that three and how Kansas came back down nine with two minutes left was amazing. The Royals in the eighth inning against the Astros here in Houston – where they were down by four runs and they came all the way back in that inning. Then the wild card game, this tops them all. This tops them all 13 seconds. And that, that, that man brought them back. It was just amazing. I've never seen anything like it. It was truly unbelievable. And, you know, you hear this crowd of folks come out and talk about, you know, 
changes that should be done to overtime. And I'm with that 100%. Josh Allen should have had a shot to be on the field. But, you know, Clark Hunt put the proposal a couple years ago. It's not Chiefs' fault that Josh Allen didn't get that opportunity. No, listen, I, I don't, listen, I don't have a problem with it. I'm fine with the rule. When they made the change that a field goal can't beat you, then, then to me, that was good. I could, I could take the, all right, um, both teams get, get the ball at least once, and then it becomes sudden death after that. I could go for that. I could go for, let's say, the Chiefs scored the touchdown with Kelsey like they did, and Josh Allen and the Bills got the ball, and they had to get a touchdown to keep the game going. And then after that, it was whoever won. I, I could get that. I, I could go for that. But really – the Bills have the number one defense in football. Hell, they couldn't stop them in 13 seconds from getting almost 50 yards. So uh, they can miss me with that. I listen. All they they got to do is keep them out of out of the end zone, and the game continues. And they weren't able to do that. And I me- I remember being on the air in Kansas City, crushing Chiefs fans who were complaining about the overtime rule. Hey man, I remember distinctly in that game. Tom Brady and the Patriots had like three third and longs on that drive that they completed to Edelman and to Gronkowski, and you couldn't get off the field. You had opportunities to do it, and you got to play defense too. You can't just be your your superhero is the only part of the team. You got to play defense too. And I truly believe, Tyler, had the Bills won that toss, they would have won. Yeah, it's 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 but it's it's because there's no stopping them either. But but, hey, I I don't have a problem with the rule. All you got to do is keep them out of the end zone. I know when I say all you got to do, that's that's sounds simple, but you got a chance and that's on them and their defense. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, Joe, uh, what do you think of uh, Sunday's matchup with the uh, Chiefs and Bengals and Joe Burrow coming into town here? What, um, with the quarterbacks and these offenses, it doesn't get any easier. Um, the the crazy thing is Josh Allen is a, a special, special guy. I said prior to the playoffs on our show, uh, showing BK on the Chiefs on Arrowhead Pride, I said the teams that scare me out of the entire AFC, and this was this was right when People were saying ridiculous things like the Patriots were the team to beat in the AFC. Mm-hmm. I said the teams that scare me the most, if I'm a Chiefs fan, are the Bills because they've got that that guy at quarterback who can, if he's right, and he was right Sunday, can 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 go tit for tat against the Chiefs defense with Patrick Mahomes. And then it's the Bengals. I'm a quarterback guy. I'm a quarterback person. I believe, and sometimes I probably give the quarterback too much. Uh, uh, a potential to affect the game, but I'm a quarterback guy and Burrow Tit and Higgins and Jamar chase, who we saw just absolutely destroy the chiefs mm-hmm. and with Mixon, who can run the ball as we saw against Tennessee and their stout front seven. And he can catch the ball out of the back out of the backfield. Like this is an offense that can give you problems. Uh, but they also could give up nine sacks in a game like they did against the Titans. So that's gotta be the thing that holds them holds them back. I think the Chiefs the Chiefs are a seven point favorite right now. That feels a, that feels strong, especially after they just they just lost to this team in Cincinnati. But boy, Tyler, it is hard for me to believe that a pissed off Patrick Mahomes and this team after losing to Cincinnati earlier in the year 
they're going to lose at home in Arrowhead to get to a third straight Super Bowl to Joe Burrow. I, I just hard for me to envision that happening to Patrick Mahomes in this game. So uh, I, I think it's a real test that you got to take as serious as you did with the Bills, and you got to play better defensively in the fourth quarter uh, because they can get you. Uh, but it's it's hard for me to see. It feels like this isn't Burrow's time yet. If it wasn't Josh Allen's time, after what he has done, I feel like it's not Joe Burrow's time. And I don't think I don't think Pat's going to lose at home to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I got a lot of respect for Joe Burrow and the Bengals and what they've done this year. But you know, when you look ahead to a potential Super Bowl with the Niners and the Rams, and then you know this game with Cincinnati, I don't think anyone left show is tougher than what the Chiefs just faced in Buffalo here. I think that the Chiefs face their toughest challenge at this point. What say you? I, yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, because Josh Allen was Josh Allen was in the uh, – I remember my guy, uh, the late Therese Paler. I, I had him on, and we were talking about uh, the Chiefs and, and, uh, and, and the Chiefs playing the Texans to start the year, and it was Deshaun versus – uh, Patrick Mahomes and he said man I just think I just think you got two guys that are capable of having over my dead body games to where mm-hmm. it's just like over my dead body and Josh Allen was in that like Josh Allen if Josh Allen got a chance to get the ball last his team was gonna win he wasn't gonna let him lose it was both of them having over my dead body games so yes from that perspective it feels like the Bills are the toughest test for them. And what they've seen, you would think, man, you wouldn't run into anything else like that until Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase start going nuts. Because that <laughs> what happened between those two in week 17 was, was the, the best thing that I'd seen until Josh Allen happened, you know, against the Chiefs. The best yeah. thing I've seen, those two, they just didn't have an answer at all, whatever. And so you would think that's that, that was the toughest challenge. That was them getting past the, the real thing. Because I did. I, it felt like that was the AFC championship game last week. But you can feel Chiefs fans will feel completely different in the third quarter if Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are just connecting and going off like they did in that first game. Because I think we can safely say this about cigar smoking Joe and the company. Like they're, they're not going to be nervous. They're not going to come in here. Oh God, we're in the AFC championship game. No, they're going to be playing loose and ready to go and going forward on fourth downs and stuff. So they're going to be, this isn't a, uh, this isn't going to be a factor where I think the chiefs have, have had in the last three or four years where they can, they can have an advantage off the bus because teams are nervous and concerned about that. I don't think this team and the Bengals will be. You know, show I look at this Chiefs team, and it's so unique. It reminds me of an elite NBA team that's been doing it for a couple of years where they didn't have a great regular season. You know, there was a lot of peaks and valleys to 2021. But then when you got to the Steelers game, this team turned on a switch. When you looked at the Bills game, the offense was so prolific. I'm amazed at how much better this team looks compared to what they were even just a couple of weeks ago. I, I would argue that the Chiefs team that lost at Cincinnati, even, what was it, five weeks ago, this is a different team. This is a different Chiefs team than what showed up to Cincinnati there. What say you? Uh, 
well, I think it. I think it's a different team because of the circumstances. Uh, yeah. Listen, this team frustrates me because I, I'd say my favorite thing in sports is to see greatness, and this is a team that I've just had to accept that they are a flip the switch crew. They are a crew yeah. that they have to like. They have to have something in it for them to to really get in it. Like they have no problems and they've shown it over the, especially the last two years, like they've been on, they've been on the hunt. And when they were hunting, there was one thing and they cared now that they've been the hunted. Like to me, it does seem like they, they got no problems in some of these games, just doing it just enough to win. Mm -hmm. Like they, and they'll do that. And it's frustrating because to me, like, I remember saying after they got embarrassed in Tampa, like this is going to be a, we're going to be on a mission to show everybody that that was because we had so many injuries and we had a bad night and we're going to just, you know, take it out on everybody and just kill teams all year. Nope. They just, they, they at times just did just enough to win and just enough to, I mean, they, they scored 13 points and, and beat the, the Packers 13 to seven, just enough to win. But I think what makes it different from the Bengals game is because the circumstances of the playoffs and they are, they were just going to be different when the playoffs hit, because this is the season that they really give a rip about. They didn't, I don't think they cared about at times in the regular season, the last couple of years, then they had to kick it in gear. They're like, Oh, hold on. But you know, we don't want to not win the division and not have home games. And they kicked it into gear and they care. They flipped the switch in games. They flipped the switch against the Steelers in games. Oh, TJ Watt scored. Okay, now we got to start playing. And then they flipped the switch and just absolutely boat raced them. Uh, and, and so they can be annoying. So, yes, this is a different group that Cincinnati's going to see because this game means more to them. This game means it all. And they're going to be probably more closer to 100% focused the whole way. And, and in the second half of that Cincinnati game, they just kind of came out. Yeah, you know they just kind of came out. Then the fourth quarter hit, and they oh god, now we got to flip the switch, and it became too late. And so I, I think they'll see a different Bengals game team because this game matters more to them. I don't think the first game mattered as much to them. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, you know, home field seemed like in the back of the mind of some sorts. You know, not like what this is. Right? They didn't, they didn't even care about it because I think they could see this is. We'll we'll find a way to get it. <laughs> and I don't think they had any fear whatsoever to have to go to Nashville and beat the Titans. Like there was no right. there was no fear of that. So that's like that Bengals game didn't mean like I think a lot of Chiefs fans were looking at that Bengals game, the first one saying, All right, they gotta win this game. They gotta keep home field advantage. They can have it run through. I, I don't think that was something that was on like their mind as a as it was like a couple of years ago. A couple of right. years ago, they wanted to have home field advantage. They needed it to run through Arrowhead. I don't think that was that was on their their minds. I, I agree, a hundred percent, a hundred percent with you there. So when you look at matchups, obviously one that stands out in this one is the Chiefs' defensive line, which has been so good, and we've seen what Melvin Ingram has done to this defense since he came over. You know, halfway through the year. And the Bengals offensive line, giving up more sacks than anyone in the NFL this year. Nine sacks last week against Tennessee. Um, tell me about that. 
What uh, what do you expect out of that uh, that group defensively uh, as far as getting pressure on Joe Burrow goes? Well, I'll say outside of the Jamar Chase matchup, um, which I think is is a huge one in this game, uh, they just cannot allow him to dominate uh, the way he did. This is the game. What you just spoke about the defensive line against the Bengals offensive line is the game. And who am I coming to? Tyler, I will ask you, who is the best player on this Chiefs defensive line? Oh, it's Chris Jones. Yeah. You got to come to play. <laughs> who are you, Chris Jones? I, I, the reason why I am so hell-bent on you to do this, I watched a guy who the players, the coaches, and everyone voted you over into the Pro Bowl in Jeffrey Simmons. And I happen to believe Jeffrey Simmons had a better year than Chris Jones and that he should have been in over Chris Jones. But I think that Chris Jones overall is as good, if not a better player than Jeffrey Simmons. I think I've said the last couple of years that only Aaron Donald as an interior defensive lineman in this game is somebody I would take over Chris Jones. But I watched Jeffrey Simmons absolutely dominate the Cincinnati Bengals front three guys, their guard, center guard, he dominated. He had three sacks and probably had four other pressures in that game. They couldn't do anything. Joe got sacked nine times. He got three of them in the middle. If I watch Jeffrey Simmons do that, Chris Jones, you're on that level, if not better, when you want to. This should be a game where you want to come and give that. And I'm squaring my eyes at Chris Jones in the middle to absolutely wreak havoc. And he was a problem in the first game against the Bengals, uh, often except, except in the second half, not as much. In this game, the Chiefs defensive line should absolutely win. And it is so pivotal for them to do this so that Spags doesn't feel possessed to have to send zero blitzes and to have to blitz. He has got to have help in the back end for uh, uh, for Ward or hopefully Fenton if he's playing. They've got to be able to have help. And so if he can get pressure up front and Chris Jones and Ingram and Frank Clark and Wharton, if those guys – and Reed as well – if those guys can give him pressure and not allow – not not make uh, Spags feels like he's got to blitz and leave himself, you know, naked on the back end. Like that's, that's pivotal. And I'm looking at Chris Jones to have a big game. I'm talking the Cowboy game where Chris Jones just dominated the Dallas Cowboys and they couldn't do anything because he was in the middle batting balls down, getting sacks, stopping the run. They need that type of effort against this, this offensive line from Chris Jones. Offensively. Obviously, you always need Kelsey and Hill to step up. Who needs to be that third option? Who do you see as potentially having a big night there as the, the X factor offensively? Whoever Pat feels like it. <laughs> right? I mean, I, like at this point, like I, I think we've done that. Who's going to be it? Like I've, I've been on the McCole Hardman train and, and, and everything. I think all of them have played their parts. It seems like since the Denver game, McCole Hartman has had one big chunk play in every game, like one big play. He had the big screen pass uh, for 40-plus yards against the Bengals. He had uh, a deep pass against the, the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the Broncos in that game. 
He had a, a long pass uh, against uh, the Steelers in one big play in that game. And then he had a couple, including the, the touchdown he got in this game in the 26-yarder to set the Chiefs up in overtime. You know, for him, he gets his one big play that he's been getting here recently, a game that's big. And then Byron Pringle just being the possession guy in the middle. And then those backs have been really good. So I'm not going to try to pinpoint one person because you never know, because against the Steelers, McKinnon was absolutely amazing. And then in this last game, it was just a mixed bag uh, of who it could be Clyde. And that combination was good. So it's whoever Patrick Mahomes sees fit I all of them can can do it it is clear that it's not just like one person to be dependent we, we get a few more minutes left so I want to ask you what do you think of the uh, NFC championship game here this matchup between the uh, Rams and Niners uh it, it's I don't know how the Niners are doing this um actually I know how they're doing it I just it's just unbelievable to absolutely watch um the other teams are finding ways to self-destruct to help them out and um and this Debo Samuels fella is the most unique uh, skill set player we've I've seen in a long time uh, and, and the ability for him to do everything. But I just look at these situations to where if the Rams play their best and the Niners play their best, the Niners don't have a chance in this game. The, the, I mean, the Rams just have the overwhelming talent. Uh, uh, the uh, their their defensive line, Von Miller is is humming at this point, and Aaron Donald, like Von Miller and Leonard Floyd, have forced them to have to block Aaron Donald at times, one on one, which is a disaster, and and then they just have so much talent from the outside. And the one big question I had, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily one that believed that Matt Stafford Stafford was just Detroit lionized. I thought there was a little bit of Matt Stafford that I didn't trust in him. Sure. It, it looks like these two playoff games, especially ripping it from the GOAT when it was 27-27, and I thought, this is it. They've created another moment for Tom Brady. But Matt Stafford went in there and said, hell no, and took it. And and I think that just gives him confidence what he's done in these last two games. That's in the game up. I knew no Jimmy will probably do something at least once uh, to mess up the game, and I think that'll be enough. So I think the Rams will win just because I think they just have so much more talent. And, I am, and like, the last game they played, they were up 17 to nothing and dominating the game. I just don't think that, that, that the Niners will be able to do that again. Yeah, to me, I look at it to show that, you know, it's for me, if the Rams are going to lose – it's going to have to be Stafford giving the game away, essentially. I mean, they are the more talented team. I know that the Niners have won, what is it now, six straight against the Rams here. But, yeah. I mean, everything points to the Rams. This should be their moment here. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I don't see how they lose this unless Stafford just straight up gives it away here. Yeah, I mean, they just have all the – they have all the things to me on their side. They've got, an, in my opinion, an overwhelming yeah. talent advantage in the game. Um, and I think the coaching is probably a wash between those two. Uh, maybe Kyle Shanahan, a bit of an edge there overall. Um, but then the one thing is, as you said, they've beaten them six straight times, which is hard to explain. And I think now they have a motivational point to push this even extra as, a, as you know, to add on to the Super Bowl. They're ticked off 
about this. They, they, there's an advantage to me, the memory of we've lost to this team six straight times and we blew a 17 to nothing lead uh, against this team and let them come back and beat us. We're better than this team and we're going to show it. So I just think they've got everything going their way, almost every advantage going their way. And, uh, and I, I just, it's just hard for me to envision them losing this at home. Now, one thing that would come of a Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl is the second straight year the Chiefs would be playing in a Super Bowl at their opponent's own stadium. Um, you know, I, I don't think the Chiefs are worried about that, but uh, I'm sure some fans might be a little a little ticked off a bit uh, if that ends up working out that way. Talk about uh, you're just glad to be there, obviously, but unfortunate circumstance of back-to-back years potentially here. Yeah, yeah, it, it is interesting to see that. Um, luckily, it's the Super Bowl, and a lot of people are trying to get down there, and it's a real um, – it's a corporate event. As right. much as it is, um, you know, so the home field advantage part there isn't as big. But, hey, I bet you they're all right playing in L.A., though. I bet <laughs> you Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, who is as Hollywood as anybody, is all right hanging out in L.A. If, if they indeed win that game. So it is an interesting thing that they keep doing it. And it ticks you off as a Chiefs fan right now because as your stadium is currently – sitting you'll never have a chance to be able to do that you'll never have a chance to be able to to play the super bowl in your own backyard as uh, as the stadium sits right now with no roof or no dome or something like that so that that sucks as a chiefs fan to know that 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 advantage is never going to be there yeah yeah absolutely uh show uh i i gotta say as we're as we're wrapping up here you know i mean you you mentioned your ku guy too and and what a what a you know couple of days it's been for KU and Chiefs fans. I was at the fog the other night when they won that double overtime game against Texas Tech, and they've been winning these close games lately. The Chiefs, uh, obviously, what they're doing right now. I mean, it's a special time to be a, a KU and Chiefs. You know, Kansas City sports fan right now of just all that that's going on, not just with the Chiefs here. No, yeah, I'm lucky, you lucky son of a gun. <laughs> You're out there for that game. Uh, yeah, I wonder how many people potentially got up and left at either one of those events with the Chiefs in in Kansas because at times it did look bleak. Uh, It's crazy, man, and it it doesn't slow down. All right, you got Kentucky and Kansas coming up on on Saturday night to lead into the Chiefs and and the Bengals in the AFC championship game. You got Blue Bloods facing maybe one of the tougher games on their schedule. Uh, and then you got, and then you got uh, the, the Chiefs the next day. So it is a crazy, wild time, a fun time in uh, in Kansas City right now. No doubt. Show before we let you go. Where can people follow you and see all the great work you're doing, man? All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Real Ron the Show. R E A L R O N the Show. T H E S H O W. You can follow me on Instagram at uh, Ronnie H Show. Uh, and uh, like I said, two to six every day on Sports Radio six ten out in Houston. You can uh, you want to just listen to podcasts? You can hit the Odyssey app and uh, and find that. And then I also do uh, uh, some uh, some weekend stuff for uh, national stuff for CBS Sports Radio. I'll be doing the show actually leading into the Chiefs uh, into the playoffs on Sunday on uh, any uh, CBS Sports platforms, any CBS Sports Radio local affiliates you can uh, catch me out there i'll be on there from uh uh five to nine uh central time a.m so uh talking about uh 
talking about these uh, these championship games. So uh, uh, you can follow me there and uh, and take a listen, man. Out here, as you said, grinding and uh, and uh, and just trying to trying to continue to do more work. Joe, I love it. Thanks for joining us, man. We're going to have to have you back on again. I can't believe it took this long to, to have you on, man. But we'll uh, be talking in the near future and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday, brother. Yeah, same to you, man. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone, 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. You can reach out to Bo by email, brian.o'connor at lpl.com. That's brian with a Y. O'Connor at LPL.com. You can also check out O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook and the Coach Bodo's podcast available every Monday and Friday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, good to hear from you as always. And thanks for letting me uh, crash at your house the other night. Oh, man, it was fun. It was fun to have you guys over for a little bit. I'm, I wish we'd had a little more time, but it was late after the basketball game. And then I had to go to bed. I had to work. So. You know, but I enjoyed having you guys over, and you're always welcome to crash at the O'Connor house. Hey, uh, I loved it. We had a great time, and uh, that KU game uh, was terrific, wasn't it? On uh, yeah, you know, if night. you're a, if you're a local person here in, in Kansas, and you are a, a Chiefs and Jayhawk fan, you're probably pretty tired right now, right? I mean, just emotionally spent after the Saturday comeback win against K State, and then the Chiefs game Sunday and Monday night's game that goes into double overtime. I, a lot of people I know are kind of spent right now. Like, you know, I feel for the people. I wish I was one of those that got to go to both Sunday and Monday. That would have been cool. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about being I, exhausted. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, the hard part for me is I just can't do night. I couldn't do night outdoor football games right now. Like, yeah. I, I got a chance to go to the, the Chiefs uh, Bengals game. I'm not going. I'm watching that thing from my couch. And, and, you know, Burrow's my guy. I kind of want to see my guy Burrow, but I, I'm i not about to go and deal with that crowd, the cold weather, all this and that, when I can watch it on my big TV, on my couch, in my warm house. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me fill in for you, Bo. I'll, I'll go on your behalf, you know. No, I mean, it was – you're not going with my wife, no. Oh, okay. She offered to get the tickets. So. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I, I mean, Jen and I are friends, but okay. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work for me. Yeah, <laughs> she wanted to do it. As a, she wanted to do it as a special thing for me. She's like, I know that's your guy. You want to okay. go see Burrow play? I've been to all, pretty much all his big games because I went to you know both championship the championship game and I went to the semifinal game and then because I didn't go to last week's game. I almost went to last week's game and then I almost went to this week's game. But I, oh, if they make that. the Super Bowl, it's going to be hard to talk me out of going. Speaking of that, uh, when I was over at your house uh, yeah. this uh, this past Monday, mm-hmm. um, I had a uh, visit to the uh, O'Connor Museum. Uh, first time I I checked out since the renovations. The renovations, yeah, yeah. Uh, P Money showed you around, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. P Money yeah, showed me the whole thing. Um, I loved the uh, the new uh, Joe Burrow helmets. You got like the Joe Burrow shrine going. I, I do have. That's my guy. So I collect. I mean, as you know, I collect sports memorabilia. And uh, I have a, I bought a collection of autographed helmets about a year ago, a little, a little under a year ago. And I have been kind of, as a guy who had one from every team, um, I got 30 of 32. He didn't trade me the Patriots or the, uh, some of the Patriots or the Chiefs. So I didn't get Brady or Mahomes. Okay. But I got one from each team. And then what I did was I didn't want some of them. So I took and traded and did some things. And now I, 
you know, from what I collect and what I like. And, and uh, Joe Burrow is my favorite. So I, I now have uh, six different Joe Burrow helmets, all signed by Burrow. Nice. Yeah. That's great. What, uh, by the way, before we get into too much business of the day, uh, what's going on in the counter-advisory group this week? Hey, we're working on a project I need some help with. So, you know, I'm here in Lawrence and I'm trying to get with small businesses here in Lawrence or really anywhere, but we can, we can help you anywhere. But I'm really looking for small businesses. They're looking to grow in 2022. So if you've got a small business, if you're in Lawrence, I really want to talk to you because I can help you. But if you're outside of Lawrence, if you're in Topeka, if you're in Johnson County, if you're in Kansas City area, um, there's some things we can do to help you. We want to help you. We've we got some partnerships, some things we're doing, uh, whether it's employees or yourself as a business owner. But I really want to get business owners, especially locally here. So if you know somebody or if you yourself own a small business, give me a call. I want to help you build your business in 2022. We want to be your partner. We'll counter advisory group, OAGCast.com, we'll counter advisory group.com for more information there. Bo, um, before we get to our picks against the spread this week, just kind of exhaling a bit. We mentioned that Chiefs-Bills game on Sunday night and the three other games that occurred. I mean, it was just magical to watch these games. I cannot honestly think of a better football weekend in my life than what we saw last weekend. I was just in awe. It can't get any better. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely recency bias to it. I mean, if you look at the four games, there was one game that was pretty awful. The, the Saturday night game was bad. I mean, the Packers, the 49ers, that wasn't fun to watch at all. But the but they were close, and it comes down to a last-minute kick, last-second kick. But um, especially it ending with the best game being Sunday night, the two games, the two teams we knew were the best two teams, most likely. You know, the shootout, we thought it would be a shootout. And that game going back and forth, I mean – all the games were competitive. I mean, the one game that looked like it was going to get out of hand didn't get out of hand, and we almost saw some magic there. And then, yeah, it's a pretty outstanding weekend. And you're right. It's hard to, off the top of my head, think of a better divisional round weekend than those four games. You know, not that it ever hasn't happened. I don't – I just can't think of one off the top of my head. Um but I, I think it was a great weekend. It topped off by just a fantastic game Sunday night. I think those two teams, if the coin flip goes a different way, we're talking about Buffalo. If, you know, I just – I would love to cancel the rest of the playoffs and let those two teams play a series of seven. Yeah. You know, I mean, really, I think that those two teams were really, really great. And they're – we're, we've been hearing a lot. I don't know if you've been hearing this, but every sports talk radio, the whole thing, everything this week has been Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are Brady and Man. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that a little bit on my podcast this, on Friday. But um, I think there's some comparables there for sure. Uh, and we're going to see this. We might see this over and over and over again for the next few years. Um, but I mean, <laughs> Those two guys both played phenomenal games, and they're both great quarterbacks. I, I think it really kind of like the guy who got over, if you will, is Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I, I think people, I think everyone respects Josh Allen now. Where I think even a couple of weeks ago, people were like, "Well, he's good, but is he that good?" Because you know, he played, he did everything he could to win that game. 
you know, Bo, I know that, you know, you and I have had this discussion a lot over the years about crushing narratives, right? And I felt like this past weekend, a lot of narratives were crushed. The whole idea of home field advantage, how big that was supposed to be, didn't mean a thing. Um, Rest before the playoffs, didn't mean a thing. Um, You know, Josh Allen, you mentioned, you know, he, he he's not ready for prime time. Mm-hmm. Joe yeah, Burrow and the Bengals aren't ready for it. Yeah, you are. know, and the whole idea that all oh, the Bengals are a year ahead. Like, no, this is who they are. You know, like yeah. all these narratives that we keep being told. Mm-hmm. You know, that even even the Chiefs, you know, people said this team doesn't have it. They're not it. You know, this isn't you know, yeah, all these just narratives and these just lazy takes that were thrown around for the last weeks on end were just punched in the mouth. I, I, I loved it. Yeah, I think, and you know, we've, we've crashed a lot of that stuff over the year. And I think that, I do think that, see, I, I, I'm, I'm that person who doesn't believe there's one best. I don't believe there's a goat. I don't believe there's, I don't believe in the greatest of all time. I don't believe in that this is the absolute best. Just Anybody you, can, go, Bo, that's it. That's it for me. I mean, yeah. But I, I think that if you look, like, um, hey, Mahomes is incredible. He is on a and, and I heard Michael Jordan comparisons to Patrick Mahomes this week. I heard it on ESPN, heard it in a couple other places. And I'm like, look, let's back it up a little bit. Let's enjoy what we got because he is incredible. But that narrative that he's just that he's Jordan-esque and he can't lose is not is not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, the coin flip won that game. Yeah. I mean, that's the coin flip won the game. People are, are calling for a change of overtime. Hey, if you're a Chiefs fan, you were doing the same thing three years ago. Mm-hmm. Calling for that the coin flip shouldn't decide the game. You know, I, I you know, people are talking about, well, Brady is the GOAT, but then Brady, Brady loses this week. Hey, Brady left it all on the field. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I think that more than anything, what we ought to do is get all get over the narrative stuff and get over this, this inclining we have to have to rate everything. And just enjoy it. Yes. And man, that was great football this week. All four games, uh, three of the four games were great. One was just horrible to watch. And it was, you know, whoever was going to be the last team with the ball figured out some way to win. That being Green Bay and San Francisco. Um, Aaron Rodgers really let me down in that game. And uh, but the other three games were all great. I mean, the Rams show they can't, they, they got they can't run the football and everybody knows they have to. Right to protect the lead Brady got back in the game he didn't play great but he got back in the game yeah and then we saw it and it capped off with right now the two best quarterbacks so yeah I, I, I think you you hit it on there's a lot of narratives that got crushed this past week and there still might be some more coming too mm-hmm. yeah I think you're right about that let's look at uh, this weekend's games yeah. picks against the spread this could be pretty quick <laughs> then we'll get some topics <laughs> Uh, Bengals and Chiefs, Chiefs favored by seven. And uh, before we pick these games, a little update on the standings. Yours truly, I have uh, clinched the championship with uh, two weeks to go uh, with a record of 111, 87 and two. Um, TJ's in second at 105, 93 and two. Thomas in third at 104, 94 and two. And a bow sitting at 96, 102 and two. So, Bo did go three and one last week, so don't quite fade Bo's picks just yet. 
Uh, Save me this week and you'll be wrong. I got these two in lockdown. Tom went three and one last week. TJ went one and three. I went two and two. So um, this week's spreads, you have the Chiefs favored by seven. And you have the Niners as a three and a half point underdog to the Rams. So let's start out with the Bengals and the Chiefs. Chiefs favored by seven here. Bo, um, everything points to this being a one possession game that this could come down to who has the ball last. I know that the Chiefs are the more talented team, but you don't have to go back very far to see the Bengals go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. Jamar Chase go off. I don't think Jamar is going to have that performance again. It'd be hard to replicate. But seven points is a lot of points in this game. Yeah, seven's a bridge too far for me. This is now I can see the Chiefs backdoor covering with a late score. A late field goal takes a, a five point lead to an eight point lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a, a late field goal takes six to nine. I get that. Pardon me, but I do think this is a close game. I think it's a shootout. I think it's an absolute shootout. I think we're going to see two. We're going to see Mahomes like he was last week, especially in the second half. And I think we're going to see Burrow do. Burrow's a different cat than both Mahomes and Allen, but he's absolutely deserving of being in their category. And I think you're going to see him. He's a little more of an old school pocket guy. He's not going to get he got to get sacked nine times like last week. Uh, if he does, they're going to lose by 30. But um, I do think that Burrow's going to keep this game close. And I think the Chiefs win the game. And I think it's a three, four-point game. I think the last team with the ball has a chance to win the game. Whether they whether they do it or not. I mean, if it's if if Mahomes is driving, they win the game in the last possession, or Burrow's driving, they run out of time. That kind of thing. The last team with the ball is going to have a chance to win. And it's going to come down to who can execute. But I think it's a close game. I'll take the Bengals plus the points. I think the Chiefs are going to win the game. You know, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, Everything tells me I should take the Bengals. But I already got this championship locked up. And it's a free pick, essentially, for me. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'll go with right. the Chiefs to cover because I can. Um, I think the what. Chiefs win. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I'll go with the Chiefs to cover that seven. Why not? How many games back am I have you? Like 15, 20? Uh, you have 96 wins. I have 111. Okay. Will you give me 15 if I take the uh, Bengals in the money line? <laughs> give you 15 wins? <laughs> Why not? Um, <laughs> the Bengals can't win this game. They're not going to. Maybe they can. Yeah, it's I mean, going to take a great. It's going to take a great performance from both those players, Burrow and Chase. They're going to have to block better. They're going to have to play. The Titans sacked Burrow nine times last week, and Burrow still found a way to win. Um, the the Titans defense is better than the Chiefs defense. Now, what's the deal with Matthew? Is Matthew out? The concussion, do we know what's going on with Tyron Matthews' concussion? Um, we still are waiting on that. Uh, okay. Still waiting on confirmation. You know, as I was watching that game, you know, I know that the Bengals are in the AFC Championship game. Yes, they are. I get that. But I'm still watching the game, seeing the way Burrow gets beat up. And even though they won, 
I still agree with the belief that you have said since day one of he ended up in, when he ended up in Cincinnati. The Bengals still don't deserve Joe Burrow. They, they, they really don't. They're going to get him broken again. That organization, so they have <clears throat> the one narrative that we thought we thought going in last week was the Bengals were still a year away. They still are. I mean, it's yeah, they won last week. Yeah, they got a shot this week, but they have a shot because of number nine. I mean, that's the reason they have a shot. It's they, uh, the Bengals still don't have a, they don't have a good offensive line. Uh, defensively, their DPs aren't great at all. Um, the Chiefs are going to just try to get any matchup they can on Eli Apple. If they get Eli Apple over the top of, of um, Tyreek Hill, that's going to be where Mahomes is going to try to put the ball. Um, if for no other reason, they'll draw penalties there because mm-hmm. he's a holding machine. Uh, and they will. He will get at least two holding calls. Yeah. If that was something you can bet on, bet on it. Um, yeah, I bet the over-under would be Eli Apple two penalties. <laughs> so I do think that, I mean, there are some things the Bengals will need to do, but where it's their scary is 2023. They go into the offseason with the second or third most amount of salary cap room. A quarterback that everyone seems to like and wants to play with. Weapons in the offense and needs on defense in line. Ask the Chiefs how quickly you can correct an offensive line. Mm-hmm. They did it pretty quickly. I think the, the, the Bengals can do the same thing next season. I do think they're playing toward 2023. But, man, now you're on house's money. You might as well go for it. Why not? And so why not? I mean, they're going to go for it. They're going to see what they can do. And I think that there's no situation that's going to scare Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yeah. I, but again, he's got to go against Mahomes and he's got to go against the Chiefs offense. They're going to be at home. You know, I, I heard that, you know, Mahomes made, or Burrow made the comment when he asked about Arrowhead. He says, you know, there are louder places in the SEC, you know. So, you know, that's going to get under Chiefs fans a little bit. It's true, but it's going to get under the Chiefs fans' skin. Um, but there's nothing, it's not too big for him, it's not too big for Chase. And too big for Burrow. Um, those two guys will have to carry that team. I think it's under seven. I think it's going to be a good game. This is going to be an excellent game. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. The 49ers and the Rams. Rams favored by three and a half. The Niners have won six straight against the Rams. And the game will be played at so five. Yeah. Can going to be probably more Niner fans there. They outnumbered them last time a few weeks ago. Yeah. The Rams have gone as far as that they are not letting people outside the LA area buy tickets. Newsflash: yeah. There's no, there's more Niner fans in LA than Rams fans, folks. Yeah. Um, with that being said, the Rams looked so good last week. The Niners they won, and they beat a pretty dang good Packers team in the process, but they won ugly here. Bo, I, I feel like that the the Rams are are finding that rhythm. They look like the Rams team we saw. At the beginning of the year, Cup's playing well. OBJ's got to figure out. Stafford's limiting his mistakes. They're using Cam Akers. Uh, they use him well in that, that game against Arizona. I know he had two fumbles last week, but um, I really like the way the Rams are playing right now. I give the edge to the Rams here. Yeah, okay, so uh, Akers almost single-handedly got the uh, the Bucks back in that game with the two fumbles, and then they had a snap over Stafford's head. But uh, – you know, they can't turn the ball over. The big problem, the only problem I see with the Rams 
is that the game against the 49ers week 18, the last game of the season, they got 17 points in that game and they lost the game. And then it happened. It almost happened again this week. When you know the Rams want to run the football or going to run the football, get a lead, they have to run the ball, run the clock out. And they haven't been able to do that those two games. That's the one thing I think the Rams must improve on. Now, one thing that will be different this week than last is the Rams will get Andrew Whitworth back at left tackle. Mm -hmm. And he is the centerpiece of that run game. That will help them miraculously. Um, I'm throwing out that the 49ers have beat the Rams six in a row. It's really hard to beat a team three times. Either Rams are going to win this game. Either Rams are going to win it going away. I think they're going to to build a lead early. And I think what they're going to make it happen is they're going to make Garoppolo try to beat him. I don't think he can. And I just – he's going to get worn out by Aaron Donald, by that defensive line and everything the Rams are coming at you with. Their defense is on top of it. I like the Rams. I like the Rams big here. I uh, I got the Rams covering. I think they win this game by a touchdown. I think it's competitive. Yeah, uh, I think it's double digits. Really? Yeah, I do. I don't think the 49ers have any chance in this game. Okay. Uh, I think this is going to be the worst game the 49ers have played in a very long time. And, and what changes? Where do you do you think that? Big Wit coming back is a big part of it. I think Whitworth coming back. I mean, you look at two weeks ago. He had a great game. He got hurt on the first possession. Um, comes back in the game, finishes the game. They ran the ball excellent. They run to the left side. He's the anchor. He's the he's the boss of that thing. They're going to run the football. I think they'll also mix it up. It won't be just acres. They're going to be acres and Michelle out there. They're going to go to the, the – the, they're going to spell them, get them both. I think a lot of it, acres wasn't really ready to get 20 carries. They're leaving back a couple of weeks. You know, so I think he probably wasn't having stamina, probably wasn't ready. I think we'll see both guys probably get equal number of carries. And then you got the big play possibilities with Cup and Beckham, who looks more comfortable and more comfortable every week in that offense. And Stafford's not going to go out there and make a lot of mistakes. We know he's got so many good players around him and so many opportunities. I it all adds up to me that the Rams – the Rams are the better team as well. What's helped the 49ers is they got a good coach. Mm-hmm. And they'll be better when they bring the kid in to play quarterback. When it's um, – um, Trey Lance. Trey Lance. I couldn't think – I was last, I couldn't think of last night. Uh, when Trey Lance is their quarterback next season, they'll be better. Yeah. 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 Um, Let's go ahead and move on. A couple other topics. Uh, Sean Payton out as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees obviously retired last year. Changing of the guard, New Orleans. These two have been the faces of the franchise the last 15, 16 years. Where do the Saints go from here now? What do you think was the reason why uh, Payton stepped out here? Well, we talked about, you and I talked about off the air, we think a lot of it has to do with some uh, situations off the field where he's going to have some opportunities in the broadcast booth. And uh, probably some big money there. I mean, on the field-wise, I don't think he's ready for a rebuild. He's been there 16 seasons. And as you know, I'm a huge New Orleans Saints fan. This Drew Brees and Sean Payton coming together were exactly what that organization needed 16 years ago. And 
I think Peyton losing breeds. He said, yeah, he said in the press conference that he didn't know that Drew was going to retire when Drew retired. He thought about, he, um, Peyton thought about retiring before the beginning of this season. It's something that's been on his mind all season. I just think it's, he doesn't want to do the rebuild. I think if he, I think if Jameis Winston would have been good, if he'd have been healthy and played extremely well, I think Sean Payton would still be the coach of the Saints. I think he wouldn't have had to worry about rebuilding. But now the Saints have the worst salary cap situation in the entire league. They're like $72 million over the cap. They're going to have to cut players left and right, trade players, restructure things. Um, they don't have a quarterback. Taysom Hill's the quarterback on the roster right now. And I don't think he's a quarterback. And I think even Sean Payton can admit that now. I think this came down to, in the end, he doesn't want to go through the rebuild. And after 16 years, you know, you probably don't want to do that. And it's like starting a new business at 58 years old. I, I wouldn't want to do that. So if Sean Payton were to get back into coaching down the line, it's going to have to be a team that's already playoff ready, I would think. Like maybe Dallas, if Dallas. McCarthy's gone next year or yeah. – Somewhere along those lines, I mean, uh, he, he's going to look for a team that's already built to win. Yeah, I think that the, the obvious answer, because they've wanted him for years, has been Dallas. Dallas has wanted Sean Payton. I guess other teams reached out to the Saints about Sean Payton when some rumors were getting out there about him thinking about leaving. Uh, he didn't want to go anywhere. He doesn't want to go anywhere else and coach right now. I think that the, he doesn't want to do the rebuild. But I do think he will be back in the booth, or be back coaching at some point. Um, and if he does, it's going to depend on if he likes the booth. I can see him being really good at the broadcast booth. I can see him being really good at calling games. If he likes it and that fills that part of him, then I can see him not going back to coaching. If it's not fulfilling to him, he's going to go back to coaching. That's the only way you fill that is the coach. And I think that the obvious choice there is the Dallas Cowboys because They'll have a coaching opening because they ain't winning with Mike McCarthy. No. Plain and simple. I mean, I would bet my mortgage that Mike McCarthy's not going to win in the Super Bowl. I and, that's, and that's what they're trying to do every year in Dallas with Super Bowl or bust. And that's the one guy, I think Sean Payton, that they've talked about over the years. He's, he's a, he was one of Parcells' guys. He's kind of the last of the Parcells guys. And I think that that's attractive to – Jerry Jones, and I think Jerry Jones is eventually going to have to say, hey, I'm old enough now. If I'm going to get one, I'm going to have to hire this out. Yeah. He's going to lose Dan Quinn, you know, D.C. He might lose Kellen Moore, the O.C. You don't know yet. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of changes there, and I can see whether that's in 2023, more likely 2024, that it, Sean Payton's back on the sideline. Yeah. Um, for the Saints, you mentioned yeah. the rebuild and such. What does this uh, franchise do next? Who's uh, who's going to be the guy? You think? I think the only reason they haven't announced it is because they have they have to go through the interview process. They have to obey the Rooney Rule. But I think this is an internal hire. I think this is going to be uh, Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen's been there for a long time. He's been the long-term defensive coordinator. I think this is going to be his job. I think Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, will stay with him. Um, I can see Carmichael being the head coach as well, but I think it's going to be those two together. I think that Allen becomes the head coach. Um, this is going to have to be a build. Also, 
we talked about this on my podcast last week. I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but I kind of think there's three important positions in every franchise in the NFL, and that's head coach, quarterback, and general manager. And the head coach has to be the go-between. He has to be the one who has to have the relationship with both the general manager and the quarterback. Right now, the Saints have a GM who's going nowhere. I mean, he's there for the rest of his life if he wants to. It's just defensive how he likes uh, – likes what they've got there. Then now you're going to have Dennis Allen. I think that's the thing you have to have is someone who stays in the organization. Uh, they're not going to want to bring somebody from outside the organization unless they find something significant. And then they got to go find a quarterback. It's going to be someone that the head coach can work with. And that coach, Dennis Allen being a defensive guy, they're going to put a lot of that on Pete Carmichael. So that's my guess. I could be dead wrong, but the reason I think it's not announced is more of the, they're an NFL team. They do have to follow the Rooney rule. And then a lot of teams just aren't hiring head coaches right now. Right. We'll see. Um, speaking of uh, guys in their future, uh, Brady and Gronk exit the playoffs earlier than they would have liked to, obviously. And um, we hear these rumblings that Brady's retirement is more likely than ever before. Gronk says if he had to choose, he would retire right now, given the choice. What do you think? What's next for these two guys? I think Gronk's waiting on Brady to retire. <laughs> and I think they both retire now. I, Tom Brady has nothing else that he has to do. He's accomplished it all. And I think he, I think he had to defend it. You know, he got there and he won it. You got to give it your best effort at, the, at defending the title. Um, I thought give, win or lose this year, this is it. And I that team's wants not to be built long term. That's a no. lot of band aids. Yeah, and I, I just think that you know, you're, I'm, I'm 46, and there's days where I don't want to get out of bed. I can't imagine what Brady, how Brady's going to play quarterback next season at 45. I, I just, and I know he's a world class athlete and a world class taking care of his body, but that's like getting in a, in a car wreck 10, 20 times a day. On Sunday, I just can't imagine that. He, you know, he's got money and he's got the notoriety. He is, you know, the goat, if you will. He has nothing left to prove to to himself or anybody else. It's time to tip our hat and say thank you and and, and let him go out on his terms. And I think that this is going to be it. I, everything I'm seeing, I think that Tom Brady's going to retire. And I and I hope for him he is. I hope he doesn't have to get out of bed and hurt anymore. And I hope that he has a great time with his family and Giselle and everything that goes into that, build his business and his brand and make billions because he can. I, I just, there's no reason for him to go out and play football anymore. If the Bucs lose Brady and Gronk, we saw, of course, what that stretch was without those two for, you know, before they showed up to town and, you know, all the, the, the guys that Brady brought with him. Yeah. Does everything fall back down again? Do the, do the Bucks come back to reality after what these great two years have been? What do, what's the challenge ahead for the Bucks if those two are out? It's a complete rebuild. It's a complete rebuild. And then what you have to then ask is, is Bruce Arians up for that job? You know, is he up for doing a rebuild? Because there is no, you know, hand it to this quarterback. And because not only is it the quarterback, but it's the quarterback. You got injured. These weapons that are been injured this season are they coming back? You got Gronk, who's probably going to retire. Fournette is a few years in now, and running backs the tread comes off the tires pretty quick. 
so there is no immediate fix to Tampa. There's no immediate fix to New Orleans either right now. And so I think that NFC South is on the brink of being the worst division in football. Yeah. You, you know, you look at it, no one, if Brady retires, no one has a good quarterback in that division. Right. I mean, Matt Ryan's the best quarterback in that division. He's a, he's a steaming hot pile of garbage in his age. That's something. So I, yeah, I mean, the South's going to be bad. So, I mean, a good coach, I mean, Bruce Arians might be able to say, well, let me get me somebody, get me something, and we'll figure it out. You know, and you can still put something together with the right pieces, I guess, and win the division and have a chance. I mean, hell, you can get into, you can get into the playoffs and have a chance. Right. I mean, the Bengals are still playing. Mm-hmm. You know, the 49ers are still playing. Right. The 49ers are still playing with Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback. It's a good point. Um, speaking of Tampa, Antonio yeah. Brown taking some legal action against his former team. He's also indicated that the Baltimore Ravens have some interest in him, although that we haven't seen it publicly from them. Um, what do you make of what Antonio Brown's going through right now? I don't think he's been right since he got hit by uh, Montez Burflick. I – I wish whoever is the people who talk to Antonio Brown would tell him, like, let's be quiet. Let's get you some help. Because he desperately needs help. I, I now at this point, it's some kind of a you know healthcare thing. And, and I want to root for him because I want to see anybody be successful. I don't want to see people just fall off and I don't want to see something bad happen to him. But I I'm beginning to feel some pity for him now. Mm-hmm. It, it, he's fallen into the Jose Canseco kind of thing. Yes. I mean, to where it's just, you just don't believe anything because it's and all. he doesn't know when to shut off. Yeah. It, just, it doesn't, nothing you say can help you now. So if you can't help yourself in the media, go media silent and get the help you need. And I wish anybody who has a mental, um, you know, a healthcare issue like that, mental health issue, I hope they get the care they need. I hope he does. I would be willing to bet that he's got some CTE issues and that's what's caused a lot of this. I mean, go over the middle. He's one of those last guys that was willing to go over the middle and take a lot of hits before a lot of those rules change. And I, I hope the best for him. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it at that. I don't see him playing again. No, I don't either. I, I, it would take a desperate team in a desperate situation. The Ravens are not desperate for him. Yeah, I do just, you know, just came to mind though. You're talking about Tampa. If we take a half a step back, would Deshaun Watson be a good fit, Tampa? Mm, I don't think, not while Bruce Arians is there anyway. I kind of disagree. I don't see that working, that combo. I could see those two working. I could. I mean, I think BA could do, I think he could pull that one off. B.A., you know, he uh, he doesn't he doesn't take much. You know, I mean, he. No, but I, there's a lot to unpack there. But we'll, we'll talk about that next week or in a couple of weeks. Let's talk about that. Okay. Let's see okay. what happens with Brady first. Last thing in the NFL. Speaking of uh, futures, Aaron Rodgers, his uh, future in uh, Green Bay. We spent a whole offseason talking about it last year. 
only for him to come back. Now here we are again. And uh, he says that he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. There's a lot of expiring contracts there in Green Bay. Also rumblings about him taking Devontae with him to Denver and such. Maybe he retires. Now we begin the Aaron Rodgers circus once again. What do you think about this situation going forward now? I think he's getting traded to Denver. I think it's a trade. I think it's Denver. I think it happens really quickly after the season's over. Denver stockpiled picks for a reason. They traded Von Miller, their most popular player, for a reason. That's who they're going to bring in. That's that's that, that Denver is a Aaron Rodgers or bust right now. And Does he bring Adams with him? Sense. You think? I don't know. I don't think so in that case. I think Adams goes somewhere else because the salary cap, and I think that Denver's got already got some good young receivers. And so I, I kind of like what they've already got. Um, Rodgers will have more weapons in Denver now than he did in Green Bay this season. Sounds like uh, Eric Bieniemy is the favorite for that Broncos job. Yeah. What do you think about the idea of Rodgers and Bieniemy pairing up here? I think that you'll see some creativity in routes. I, I don't know if that's really what Bieniemy's uh, um, forte is. We just don't know with Eric Bieniemy. Obviously, he knows his his offense and what he's done with Andy Reid's been pretty phenomenal the last three or four years. But we don't know all the gimmick stuff the Chiefs do. We don't know where that really comes from. Mm-hmm. We're not in that room. No, no one's in that room and knows, is it Reed? Is it the enemy? Those are the questions that have to get asked. And I wonder um, if Eric B doesn't take the Broncos job or if that isn't a match, then it's because he didn't want to work with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And I can see that too. I, I, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of wild cards here. Aaron Rodgers is leaving Green Bay. He is not playing another snap in Green Bay. I'll bet he's got – if he has a house in Green Bay, it's already probably got a forced sale sign in the front yard. It might have been put there by a fan last Sunday, but he's already got a sign up there. Um, he, um, he's gone. I mean, the salary cap shows he's going to be gone. He's going to get an extension wherever he goes, and they'll work the cap out that way. It's going to work out. They, they drew this contract up the way they did it so he could play one more season. The Packers cannot move Jordan Love. There's nothing they can get for him. And they're not going to sit him for a third year. So, I mean, I think this is a, all signs point to this being done for Aaron Rodgers. If this is the end for Aaron in Green Bay, you look at his time there, 18 years, just one Super Bowl title, three MVPs. Um, fourth. He'll get the fourth this year. Well, this would be his third. This would be his his fourth. Um, With all that being said, and the way things are ending, you know, an ugly ending. It was a a long year, you know, from the offseason on. Um, I wonder what Packer fans are going to look back at Aaron Rodgers, if there's going to be some hurt feelings of you didn't deliver what you promised. You left on a bad note. Um. You know, all these things here. Like, I think Aaron's terrific and he's had a great career, but at the end of the day, the job wasn't done. There was some unfinished business in Green Bay. Yeah, they they definitely should have done better this year. And I think he's a big reason in the playoffs why they didn't. 
He's, he's why they, I mean, the special teams was was awful. I get that. Yeah, but but he also only he scored did one. Did not do his touchdown. part on Saturday night. No, he they went got the first touchdown in the first offensive possession. They didn't do anything after. And, and you got to put the ball in the end zones one more time. Um, I it's a great question because I think this whole year we can recency bias the hell out of this thing mm-hmm. because he's done himself zero favors in twenty twenty one. I mean, right. everything that happened off the field with going back to one year ago and I don't want to play here, I want to be traded or I might retire or whatever, all the stuff that he was saying. Then he gets to camp, they make a new contract, they get him to where he wants to be money-wise, they get the situation set up for him to leave at the end of the year. You know it was a one, you know it's a temporary marriage. And then all the COVID stuff and what all he said, how outspoken he's been, he is someone who, again, he has not done himself any favors this year. Now, I think time can heal all those. Right. He'll still get looked back. Look, to me, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest Packer. The greatest Packer. I think he's better than Favre, better than Bart Starr. He is the best player that's played for the Green Bay Packers. Um, last thing before we go, little college football notes. Yeah. Um, playoff expansion looks like it's it's dead from now until at least 2026, and the biggest reason why is the ACC. That the ACC, their commissioner Jim Phillips has said that they don't feel this is the right time. They have other priorities with the NCAA Constitution, with NIL, with the transfer portal, and those things. And the way that this is all formulated right now is that you have to have a unanimous agreement to go forward with the expansion to change the current contract. 2026, though, things change a bit. And basically, the ACC, instead of having the power, the trump card in hand, at that point in time, then it turns to you're either with us or you're not. And, of course, they would be on board. Different conversation when that point gets here. But when I hear these things from Jim Phillips, I understand that he's representing the university presidents of the ACC. And that's, you know, that's his number one job is to represent them on their behalf. But at the same time, Bo, to me, to use that excuse, it's just so lazy. You can do multiple things at once here. And he's working against the own best interests of his league. In the 12-team idea that Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, keeps promoting, Pitt would have made the playoffs in Kenny Pickett, who opted out, probably plays, and you're not playing in a meaningless Peach Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a really good point. And I think that the ACC is being very short-sighted here. Um, you know, it's a conference that's not really ever been a football conference. They're a basketball conference. And they're looking at this and saying, well, it's lazy – the lazy excuse. It's like your kid who you you know doesn't do something, and you ask about it, you clean your room, and they go, "Well, I was busy doing this and this." It's like, wait a minute, those weren't important. You know, it, it's it's just throwing something out there to throw something out there. I think that um, the ACC holding this up is just about them trying to say that they're a bigger. They're a bigger dick swing. I mean, it's just it's just not who they are. Look, yeah, this is all going to come down to. If they don't do something now, which they now they can't, you know, uh, they're going to wait till 2026. And you know who's going to have all the power then? The SEC. Mm-hmm. Whatever the SEC says is going to go. 
I mean, along that same lines, I mean, the SEC could directly threaten and say, do what we want, or we're going to invite Florida State, Miami, and Clemson, and we're going to yeah. kill your conference. Yeah, they, and they could absolutely kill that conference by just saying, hey, we'll take Miami and Florida State and Clemson if they want, go to a 20-team conference, and you know they could find a fourth person to join with them. Literally, they could go up to them and say, do what we want yeah, or else. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen. Look, I'm, I'm still the person that believes we're going to four conferences when it comes to football. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's a situation where football is taken out of the jurisdiction of the, of the NCAA. I think that's happening too, yes. I think that's going to happen. I think that what's going to happen is we're going to see, for lack of a better term, four regionals. Mm-hmm. For regional conferences, you're going to have a far west, which will be what the Pac-12 is now. You're going to have a north, a Midwest, which will be what the rest of the Big 12 and the Big 10 are, the Southeastern Conference, and then a far east, which will be the ACC and whatever is left over that's not carved in that Big 10 conference. And so I think that we'll see something like that. And the ACC is going to then say, well, okay, well, well, they're not going to have any representation on the field in these postseasons in the next couple of years. They, they had their shot to have become the biggest shot as far as football was Clemson. And Clemson is done. Clemson's done. If you think Dabo Sweeney's rebuilding that, it's not going to happen. I mean, I know you and I disagree no one else is wholeheartedly on right him. now either. What's that? If Clemson's done, no one else is stepping up. No one else is ready. No, right yeah, now. no one in that conference is going to be great. And, and and you look, Florida State is down. Miami's down now. They the only reason they would be, would be wanted in the SEC is that it gives rivalries to Florida and Georgia, and it's more south. You know, the bigger schools from the south, which could be better. Um, you know, Clemson is sort of the the one football program, Clemson and Miami, are the two fo- football programs in a basketball conference. And that conference, they're, they're being very short-sighted overall. And you're right. There's nothing that says the SEC can't just go in and say, all right, we'll take Clemson, we'll take Miami, we'll take Florida State. Um, you know, I couldn't see Duke or North Carolina go just because of the, the rivalries and basketball means a lot to them. Well, that's why, too, I, but, I look at Greg Sankey. He is not the commissioner of the SEC. He is the commissioner of college football. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and it, it, <laughs> it just means more. Look, that's all they really care about. They know, they the SEC, the schools in the SEC know that as long as they have football and control of football, they control the money of college sports. And they're all going to be good in all sports, but it comes down to the where you draw the most money is in football. And, I mean, this playoff system alone is going to draw enough money. And look at what the what ESPN has spent now. ESPN has spent so much money on the SEC that Texas and Oklahoma were trying to break contracts to get in. And ESPN is willing to pay more to get them. Mm-hmm. I mean – it tells you everything you need to know about what's going on. Right. Yeah, the ACC, this was short-sighted by the ACC. This is them trying to shift a narrative, position themselves differently. Um, 
it, it's not a good look for them at all. Yeah. Lane Lane O'Connor, O'Connor Advisory Group, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com as well. And the Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every Monday and Friday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Bo, what's coming up on the show on Friday? Hey, we're going to talk a lot. We're going to preview a lot on um, the upcoming two games we, we talked talk about, you we just talked about. We'll do that on my pod as well. Um, we're going to talk about Baseball Hall of Fame. Big Poppy, David Ortiz, the only one who gets in on the vote. We'll talk about that at length. Uh, Token Girl and I'll be talking about that. And then we're – there's a lot going on. We're going to talk a lot about sports, just what's going on. There's so much happening. We're, we're going to have no shortage of subjects this week. So I might even sneak you in for a little bit for a second or two. Sounds good. Bo, looking yeah. forward to it. Have a great week, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it, bud. A couple more things before we wrap up today's show. Let's go ahead and get to our Big 12 basketball breakdown. And we mentioned off the top that Kansas-Texas Tech game with the Jayhawks pulling it out in double overtime, 94-91. KU now 17-2 and on the year and the number five ranking. They'll take on Kentucky, a part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge this weekend. We'll have more on that in uh, just a moment. But uh, when you look back on that game on Monday night, what a display it was of the back and forth and Ocha Baji with the big night. He had career-high 37 points in the KU win, and he was 7-12 from the field. And then uh, for Texas Tech, Bryson Williams was phenomenal with 33 points, going 14 of 19 through the field. The back and forth between these two, just an instant classic. One of the best games I've ever seen uh, there at Allen Fieldhouse uh, as it was just so fun between these two. And, 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 you know, for this Kansas team, let's start with Jayhawks real quick. You know, we've been saying for the last few weeks that this team, you know, had some stuff to figure out, that they weren't playing to Bill Self's liking, that uh, he wasn't happy with what they were doing defensively, in particular in the low post with David McCormick and such, that things were just inconsistent. And, you know, as I was watching this game in real time, when Kansas led for most of the night by anywhere from eight to 11 points, it looked like, okay, this is the Bill Self team, you know, that that he's wanted. This is the team that Bill Self has been asking for. And then Texas Tech goes on that run, and KU ends up pulling it out. And, you know, I still look at that game because if you look at what most of the game was, it was what Bill Self was asking for. Do they have a ways to go? Yes, they do. But you can see the progress was being made there. The result doesn't speak for the progress that was made. doesn't tell the whole story as far as that goes. Um, also along those same lines there, I'm hearing from a certain number of Kansas fans that are upset with all these close games, that they're not winning by 8, 9, 10 points. I mean, folks, this is the Big 12 Conference. You're talking about, you know, nine teams that have a shot at going to the NCAA tournament right now out of this league. And every night's going to be difficult. And it's only going to make your teams more battle-tested when it comes to NCAA tournament time. You've had three straight years where Big 12 teams have made the Final Four. Two straight years where Big 12 teams have made the national championship. And part of it is that these teams are ready. They are ready for these big matchups when it comes to tournament time because of what they went through in the Big 12. So don't read too much into, okay, KU's not covering the spread. 
so what? They're winning basketball games. Maybe it's not pretty all the time, but this team's getting better. They're doing what Bill Self is asking for. Progress is being made there. Uh, I like what I've what I'm seeing from this Kansas Kansas team the last couple of days with Texas Tech. Even though they lost, you know I'm not a believer in moral victories or anything like that. But I come away from this game looking at Texas Tech and I'm like, okay, that is a very good basketball team that can make some noise. I think that we all looked at Mark Adams, his first year at Texas Tech, as okay, um, just get through this year, your first year. Without Chris Beard, what can you do? And now, with the way Williams has played, Shannon, O'Banner, um, they got some dudes, and this team could make a deep run. I think that they showed that they can go toe-to-toe with the best with taking Kansas to double overtime at Allen Fieldhouse. I like what this Texas team can put Texas Tech team can put together. Um, they made a statement, even though they did not win on Monday night, they made a statement that this team is legit and could go far. I I came away very impressed with this Texas tech team. And, and, uh, you know, for me, Monday night, even though they didn't win, that was the night that it was clear. Mark Adams is the head coach at Texas tech. He officially became the head coach of the red Raiders on Monday night. This is his program now. Jones, I think you really hit the nail on the head, you know, talking about um, how tough this Big 12 conference is. I just, you know, we're Big 12 homers for the most part. You know, I am. Um, and and I just don't think it's talked about as much how tough this Big 12 is. I mean, it's each and every night. We've seen it already this year. I mean, Baylor back-to-back law. You know, you know, teams can beat each other on any given night. Uh, no game is guaranteed. Uh, and so, you know, you mentioned people saying, well, Kansas is not covering the spread. Really, screw the spread in the Big 12. I'm not – I'm really not touching a spread in the Big 12 if I'm betting money just because it's – it's you never know. Every any, any of these teams can win at any on any night. And so, you know, as long as you're winning games, as long as you come out of that gauntlet alive, um, you know, as a fan, you should just be happy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with it. I'm with it. That's a, that's a great point. And, you know, you, you look at it, you know, Baylor went through a rough stretch. Now they're beating teams like K-State by 30 points. I think that they've gotten out of their funk of some sorts and they had to February now looking really good. Texas with a 23 point win at TCU, Texas fell out of the top 25. Now is it time for them to reemerge and do something here? Oklahoma was on a three-game losing streak. They go into Morgantown, and they beat West Virginia and do something that they've now done for, I believe it's four straight visits to Morgantown. Oklahoma's won now. Um, Iowa State beating Oklahoma State in overtime last night was a bit of a surprise for me because of this. I would have picked Iowa State going in, but if you would have told me that uh, Avery Anderson was going to score 34 points and Oklahoma State was still going to lose, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, Oklahoma State, you know, it's a weird position for the Cowboys that they're in because they're not eligible for the tournament. They're kind of playing spoiler of some sorts. You know, they've already beat Texas. They've already beat Baylor. Um, You know, they went toe-to-toe with Iowa State. and, And, you know, that's a team that the one team that doesn't have a shot at the tournament here 
still can win on any given night. I mean, that that's dangerous for everybody else involved here, uh, that they still have to go through this Oklahoma State team. No off nights by any means. Looking ahead to this weekend, the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Uh, here's the slate of games. Now, l- let me say this, first off. I love the SEC Big 12 Challenge, and I love that we play this in January, that it stands out as a non-conference slate, that it's just not among all the other non-conference slates, that we pause conference play for a day and play these games against the Southeastern Conference. And I know guys like Bill Self and other coaches can't stand it because it gets you out of your flow of conference play and, and you know, you're not – as Bill Self would tell you, you're not playing for anything. You're playing for pride. You're playing for resume at this point. I get that, um, that that can be frustrating when you want to focus on winning a conference title. But uh, it's a great measuring stick to see how much you've improved from where you were in your non-conference, you know, a month and a half, a, a month and a half ago. Now, what I will say, though, Tom, is if we're going to play this thing in January, why not have the matchups released – a couple of weeks out and try to stack up the best of the best of the big 12 and the sec of how your season is going instead of doing it in the preseason. And then you have these matchups that don't make sense. Like Oklahoma having to play number one ranked Auburn. That's not fair. Baylor. They, the number four team in the country has to play a seven loss Alabama team. That's not, that doesn't feel right. Um, I think this thing would be much better off if we figured out a way to wait to announce where the, who these teams are going to play. Um, you know, Missouri is an eight and 11 team. They should not be in this thing at all. And they're going to have to play Iowa state. That doesn't make sense to me. That's what I would like to see in the future. And I know it's tough with, you know, ticket sales and all that stuff. Let's hold off on announcing the matchups till we, figure out where these teams are at during the season. I think that would make this thing even better. Yeah, have Baylor play, you know, Auburn. Right. What a game that would be. Um, I mean, the ratings would be way better, you know. I mean, now who's to say that OU doesn't upset Auburn? Didn't Auburn almost get upset the other night? Uh, they did, yes. Yeah, they, uh, they barely beat Mizzou on the road by one. See, there you go. Um, so, I'm, you know, this is the one time that I root for the Big 12 more so than others because obviously we're playing the SEC. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, who upsets who, you know, because there will be. Right. You know, there will be an upset. The, the games that stand out to me, obviously Kansas, Kentucky, and KU and Kentucky play about every – you know, two out of three years, it seems, you know, that's become a rivalry and, you know, they make a point for those two teams to get together, whether it's this challenge or the champions classic, you know, it's always fun when Kansas and Kentucky get together. And before 2014 or 2015, whenever it was, Kentucky had kind of owned Kansas, historically speaking, but now the tide has shifted the other direction and uh, Kansas has gone toe-to-toe with Kentucky, and they've had some great basketball games. Two Blue Blood programs, two Hall of Fame coaches just implied that's going to be a good game. Um, But the game that intrigues me the most is the last game of the night, Tennessee and Texas. 
Rick Barnes, his first trip back to Austin. Rick Barnes did a very good job at Texas, but they couldn't quite get over that hump and you know live up to the expectations that Texas has. And they haven't been as good since, since he left Texas. Tennessee has done very well with Rick Barnes. And you have a good Texas team this year that kind of like what we've talked about with Texas since uh, Rick Barnes left has underachieved this year. Very talented team, but not playing to what we expected this year. I think we're in for a fun one uh, on a Saturday night, Rick Barnes return visit. And I would expect Tom that Rick Barnes gets a a pretty friendly welcome back to uh, Austin as a, I don't think anybody doesn't like Rick Barnes. Uh, he's one of the most likable coaches in the country. Everybody's got a, a pretty favorable opinion of Rick Barnes as far as I'm concerned. Right. We'll see how – I mean, I would hope that it would be more packed out than some recent Texas games that I've seen. That wine and cheese I think crowd. it will – right. I think, it, I think it will be more packed out. I hope they, you know, for what it's worth, they should give him um, a warm welcome. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then the, the other games uh, of intrigue, West Virginia and Arkansas, two teams that are borderline top 25 that are desperate for a marquee win. West Virginia, other than that UConn win they had in the non-conference, doesn't really have any quality wins this year. Arkansas, previous time they played a Big 12 team this year, Oklahoma, they got embarrassed by the Sooners by 20-plus points there in Tulsa, and they've lost four games since that loss. They were undefeated before they played Oklahoma. So that, to me, is a very interesting game. Uh, Oklahoma State in Florida, uh, that should be a decent matchup. Texas Tech, I don't think, is going to have any problems with Mississippi State here. Um, Ole Miss and K-State, two kind of subpar teams that could go either way. Um Iowa State should dominate Mizzou. Auburn should handle Oklahoma just fine. LSU should be able to take care of TCU, but it could be a good game. With all that said, with these matchups, I think it does favor the uh, Big 12. Uh, I think the Big 12 comes out of this 6-4, and 7-3. and three. I would be surprised if this is a split uh, or if the SEC wins this altogether. The Big 12's, uh, I think, in good shape. These matchups play to their advantage here. Yeah, they're just top-down, just a better basketball conference for sure. You know, it just means more in the Big 12. Um, so, you know, I like – I, I would argue – I mean, logic tell me you've got about six and four. I think well, I'd be really happy with seven and three. Yeah, I think so. So, there you have it. That is uh, our Big 12 basketball breakdown for this week. Our final segment before we call it a day – Here on the Jones Report is our Tom Fullery story of the week where Thomas Bridges tells us something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where shall we head to this time? Jones, so we are going to church, okay? Um, Where is this? Been a while since you've been to church probably, Tom. Maybe so. It looks like uh, we're going to Iowa, I feel like. That's where it looks like this is at. And Jones, I... You know, in my youth, young and manhood, I've done a lot of pranks and a lot of TP and a lot of ding dong ditching. I've done it all, right? So, and I, you know, eventually, sooner or later, I'm going to be the victim of ding dong ditching, 100%. I've, I've, it's karma. It's karma. Like I'm, it's waiting on me. 
you know. Um, and but we're going to what I think is a harmless, harmless prank. Uh, especially, usually it's someone you know if you ding dong ditch. But we're going to Des Moines, Iowa. Articles from Barstool Sport. Ugh, sorry, I uh, can't talk. Barstool Sports. Ooh. Metro Chris, uh, Metro Church. I almost said Metro Christian. You know, yeah, we're here in Tulsa. Uh, Metro Church leader is charged with criminal mischief after allegedly driving his son and his son's friends around Des Moines as they pounded down people's front doors. Now that sounds like they're overdoing it. Pastor Timothy Rood was the founder of the Walnut Creek Church in Windsor back in 1987. Now he's charged in a series of bizarre crimes. Naturally, it allegedly all revolves around the Kesha-themed TikTok challenges shown as below. You haven't seen this. They don't ding-dong ditch. They do actually... Um, you know, they actually do pound on the door. I guess to really get this, you just look up the, the Kesha... TikTok challenge, and you'll know what it is. Um, so, I guess whoever got their door knocked on, they quoted here as saying, It was about 10 30 at night. We were watching TV and suddenly heard a kicking and bang on our door. Craig Kurt of Des Moines said, Heard and his wife got the scare of their lives last month. A group of kids kicked in their front screen door. Wow. So, okay. And maybe shame on this man. A group of kids kicked in their front screen door, broke the glass, and damaged the wood entry door. Later, they returned to the house and threw rocks at the window. What? what? The herds chased down the getaway car and got the plate number. That led police to Timothy Rude, pastor at Walnut Creek Church. He's now charged with several counts of criminal mischief. Sounds like it's connected to some ridiculous TikTok challenge and he was actually driving his kid and some other kids around as they did this to one police officer, sergeant, whatever his name. Um, yeah, that's what he said. The TikTok video show kids kicking in doors to match the music of the Kesha song, Guy Young. It's called the Heartbeat Challenge. There you go. In the end, over the course of four nights, the pastor drove his kid and their pals around to around town to 24 times to kick in people's doors as they racked up thousands of dollars in damage. In the news videos, one family shows their glass door completely shattered with dents and dings on their main door. Golly. Uh, this is pretty crazy. Yeah. You know, you sent me this and I didn't read this all the way through because I like to have a, usually I like to have a, uh, you know, on time reaction while reading through this. Um. Okay, listen. We never did any of that. We just hit the doorbell, or just did a quick pop, pop, pop on the door, and then took off. All right. We. I was never kicking in somebody's front door. Uh, this sounds like a halfway into breaking and entering. Um, this is crazy. Twenty-four times. How many times you got to film the damn TikTok? All right. Those TikToks are only, I don't know like, what to what, say. you know, a minute long or something like that. Right. Um, let's see. Oh, here we go. Uh, some comments. Boy, reading the details of the story was like a book of revelations. Wow. How about that? <laughs> Pastor Rude, more like Pastor How Rude. Am I right? Another one says, what do you call it when a pastor's kid knocks on your door, but isn't there when you answer a holy ghosting? A holy ghosting. Ooh, mm -hmm. I like that one. That's good. Want to get closer to God? Play ding dong ditch in a big gun state. Ha! Ah, pew pew pews aren't just. Oh my gosh, pew pew pews aren't just seats in a church over there, folks. 
Um, wow. This is, um, someone put Sunday service greater than community service. Praying for your neighbors, praying on your neighbors. Well, and it would have been one thing if there would just been a couple of them. Then, you know, the this uh, this pastor could have claimed that he was just driving around his kid. But 24 times, there's no way he didn't know what was going on. Oh, when they all get back in the deal and say, oh, we shattered the glass. I'd have been like, okay, it's time to be done. Right. And usually, I don't know, I come from a small town. So it's usually when we did it with someone we knew. Right. Right. We never just did it at random. Yeah. Like, like what? Like, no, you did it to someone you knew that had a, a kid about the same age as you. Right, because then if you do get caught and everybody laughs, ha, 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 if it's a random stranger, like, like and then they get, get, out then of they get you back. Right. That's pretty crazy. Did you ever TP a house as a kid? Oh, 100, 100%. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all, I mean at least once a month type situation when I was like, I don't know, of driving age and in middle school. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. That was, I have a lot of stories I won't share on here, but what I was, I had, I mean, it was all not, you know, I didn't drink until I got out of high school. I didn't party until I got out of high school. Uh, you know, I wasn't a bad kid in high school, but we did drive around and do just funny shenanigans, really harmless pranks uh, all the time. I stole Christmas decorations out of people's yard and put them all in another person's yard. Took, um, you know, re-litter signs uh, and put them all in front of a house that was not for sale. You know, um, we did that all, you know, as a drop in the bucket. Um, I'd never kicked in anybody's door. Are you joking? Especially in Oklahoma. I mean, these people are in Iowa. It might as well be the same thing. You want to get shot? Like, not to mention, like, you break some, like, okay, it's one thing to knock on someone's door. It's one thing to kick in their glass on their front screen door. Like, what? Like, how hard is are you doing this? Do you think the like, next Sunday the pastor's sermon was on forgiveness? It better have been. <laughs> sounds like he's going to be, yeah, sounds like he's going to be the pastor at the local jail instead of local church. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm saying racked up, like, thousands of dollars in damage, like, busting people having their sons bust in the doors, and you're the getaway driver. It's like after one time, they don't get in. I mean, there's no way he, like, they the kids definitely showed him the TikTok when they got back to the car. You know, Tom, I, I hope that I'm, I'm never arrested, that I never end up in jail, but... I've always said, if I do, it better be for, you know, not just some blue collar thing of some sorts. Like, I don't want to sit next to somebody and be like, hey, what are you in for? And I'm like, oh, I, uh, I helped assist my kids in a TikTok challenge. Uh, you know, like, I, I would hope that it was, you know, something that, you know, I don't get laughed at for. It was sometimes. worthy for. Exactly. Yes. Right. I mean... I mean, now, too, in the, in the days of ring doorbells, you know, and higher security cameras on front doors and porches, 
like you're not getting away with the old school ding dong ditching anymore without people not knowing who it is. Like so many people have security cameras on their garages now. Like they're gonna catch you, you know, especially if you're doing around this and actually causing serious damage. Yeah. You know, back when I did it, I don't know, 13 years ago, um, four, 13, 14 years ago, there wasn't ring doorbells. You know, if you had a security system set up like it, you know, if you had a closed caption TV security system, like you were high dollar. In it. Now there you can go get them for a hundred bucks at, at uh, Best Buy. Right. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen anymore. So even if he didn't think he was going to get caught, if someone chased him down, like a lot of the time they can say, oh, what, you know, it was this car that left the neighborhood at this time, considering our neighbors have this camera and this is the time the door knocked. I mean, it's really a stupid game to play. That's the, the way they made it sound from the titles. They were just ding dong ditching. And I thought he was going to get charged for like disturbing the peace. No, his kids like broke down people's doors. I mean, Listen, front doors are not cheap. No. Um, and not to mention the scare. If someone kicked in my door at night and, and I was ready for it, no, I don't I don't care if it's a high school teenager. I'm, he's getting the base, baseball bat for sure. Like, you don't just kick in someone's door unless you mean business, right? Right. Maybe that's, that's how I feel. Um, maybe that's just how I feel uh, about, you know, about it here, like in Oklahoma, just because you don't do that because, you know, there's probably more guns in the state than people. Um, and that's probably this, I would imagine, the same with Iowa. You know, if you want to go do that, maybe go do it in, I don't know, California um, or somewhere with stricter gun laws. I mean, I could go buy a gun for me, you, and your future kid down the road at the pawn shop here in about 15 minutes. You know, you don't do that in a state like Iowa unless you're looking to get shot. I mean, he, they're lucky they didn't 24 times and you didn't get one gunshot at you. Uh, that's pretty good stats. 24 times. There's no way that one of them wasn't a church member, right? Well, I mean, I guess they said it is Des Moines. I'm okay. assuming Des Moines probably the size of Tulsa. A little bit smaller, yeah. Right. So, I mean... I don't know. The chances that that happens, maybe. I don't know how big the church is, you know. In states like Oklahoma and Iowa, too, we have churches, this, you know, the size of a garage, and we have churches that are as big as the the town hall. Right. So could be, you know, who knows. But, yeah, what if you're out in the community, like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, one time I can see it's fine. Not breaking down someone's door, but like, ha, oh, filming a TikTok of the girl I have a crush on in high school's house. Right? That's right. what we did. Yeah. Right. We TP'd. Someone TP'd our house. We find out, you know, it'd be take, take like two weeks, figure out who it was, and then someone would slip, and then we would figure out who it was, and then the next weekend night, we would go get him. All right. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm sheltered in the small Bartlesville town, but that's what we did. Maybe we just had good, clean fun back then, and now TikTok's jacking everything up. We got to kick down people's doors to have a good time. I remember one time, Tom. I feel I'm like gonna... an old man bitching about it now. I feel like, well, back in my day. Back in my day. You know. 
I remember one time I was in high school and uh, very, very harmless of pranks. Uh, we uh, we did the, the old buckle challenge. You remember the buckle challenge? I'll run through the buckle and see if you can avoid getting saying, hey, how can we help you shop today? Right. And try to get to the back of the store and film it. And we did that and we got yelled at by somebody and, uh, for for filming in the store and such. And like, okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, this is pretty harmless, but yeah, that was I think my- they knew what the deal was. They knew you weren't in there to buy shit. <laughs> I mean, when you I don't, that I'm assuming that, I assume they get commission. I don't know. I never worked at a retail clothing store, so I don't know if they got like commission off each sales if you help someone buy. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, that that is a, like see that's a harmless prank, and everybody knows that buckles annoying because they do that. Right. Right. Like, just let me look at your high priced dumbass jeans in peace. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those jackasses. Yeah. All right. I'm not paying $120 for a pair of jeans. I have never spent money there since. I think I might have owned one buckle thing back in the day. So, buckle, you're on the hit list officially. All right. We are an anti buckle um, podcast here. Yes. Add that to the list of what we are anti. We're pro a lot, we're anti a lot. So we already crossed off Mike Zimmer off the anti-Mike Zimmer podcast list. We had to add a new one in. So buckle, you're it. You're the new Mike Zimmer. Right. I don't know who would take You know, I didn't like Mike Zimmer more than I didn't like Matt Nagy. Okay. So I don't, I don't know who would take Matt Nagy's place. Kind of a lesser evil, essentially. Okay. Well, uh, we'll think on that. Something of the, of the sorts. But buckle, uh, unless you want to sponsor us. Uh, well, we are. I'm. I. I don't know about you. I'm anti TikTok challenge. Yes, I'm anti TikTok challenge as well. Yes. There you go. Add it to the list. But I feel You'll like never that's see Im- us do a TikTok challenge. I feel like that's implied though. Doesn't everybody who's not on TikTok hate TikTok challenges? Right. Yeah, that's true. You can't really. Use, that one's a cough out. Well, I'll think of something. But yeah, you'll never. You might. We. I don't know. We're never doing a TikTok challenge. No, we're not creating one. We're not destroying stuff. Record the, record a podcast in the shed challenge. Oh, yeah. There we go. We were Old the originators. School. We were. We were. <laughs> On that note, we will go. Big thanks to Ron, the show, Hewley, for joining us here. On the uh, Jones Report this week, as always, subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit us up on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live and uh, facebook.com forward slash Studio Soapbox. Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Instant Thomas Jones underscore report, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Studio underscore Soapbox, and at Thomas underscore Bridges. You can find us there. We certainly do appreciate it. Check out the Studio Soapbox Network as uh, Let's Go Racing with David Starr is out each and every Wednesday. Next week, cars are back on track at L.A., the Coliseum for the uh, Bush Clash. So we'll have a complete preview of the NASCAR season coming up next week. And uh, Luke Slayball doing a great job with Raw Tools. Highly encourage you to check out his monologue this week. We tweeted it out. It was so good of him exposing local news and all the jackasses uh, involved in local news and how they handle things and how they treat their employees. 
pretty fascinating stuff. Certainly encourage you to check that out if you get a chance on our Raw Tools this week. I believe Luke's got two shows out this week. And, of course, you heard Coach Bo earlier. He's got his show uh, as well. And the Bevo Boys doing a great job. So check out the Studio Soapbox Network, and uh, you'll be glad you did. For Thomas Bridges and our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Sing so long. It's been another edition of Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.